Welcome, welcome, welcome to 2017, ladies and gentlemen. How exciting. It's a new year. New year, new me. Um, don't even know what that means. Just noises, isn't it? Just words. Thanks for tuning in again, guys, particularly after the mess that was the end of year drunk cast. I'm surprised any of you are still here. Um, I'm excited to kick the new a year off and have loads of exciting guests because last year was just a mental year f- f- for the podcast. Um, we broke 8 million downloads. Um, we did a book that became a Times bestseller. It's craziness. Had loads of good guests and loads of good stuff going on. Was up for an award in the Houses of Commons or Houses of Parliament. I don't know, whichever one's like at Big Ben and that. Um, it was like a humanitarian award. Um, so yeah, crazy year. And it's going to get better and better this year, I'm telling you. This first guest is one of my favourite episodes I've ever done. So I'll get to that in a minute, though. I should mention speechdevelopmentrecords.com. If you've got some Christmas money... You could go and spend it there. You can get the drunk cast t-shirts. They go down a treat. We're out of a few of the sizes of, of the bundles, but we've still got uh, a load of shirts left over, so go and grab them. Um, we've got the Rob Alton album, which we launched a new video for that um, on New Year's Day. So go and check that out. I posted it on Facebook. Um, check that out if you haven't already. It's called Sky, and it's amazing. Um, we did his... Uh, his first video uh, to promote his album that's on Speech Development Records. We did that at the beginning of December. And it's a nine-minute nine spoken word video. And over Facebook and YouTube, it's had over 50,000 views, which is insane for a nine-minute spoken word video. So what do we do? We release an 11-minute spoken word video. <laughs> Let's see how that goes down. Um, it's amazing. I'm the biggest... Rob Alton fan. He came. He got. He got mentioned on the drunk cast actually, and uh, uh, Ramesh and Brett are massive fans as well. So, what a dude! What a dude! What a dude! So check that out. Um, it's all at speechfellowrecords.com or .co.uk or whatever. Man, it's there. It's thereabouts. This week's podcast is with a guy called Rob Parker. Now, some of you will know Rob Parker. Some of you will not know Rob Parker. Um, but it's one of the best conversations I've had. We, um, I just got a text message and I looked at it as I'm recording. I'm, I'm, I'm very unprofessional. Anyway, yeah, he's just a really good dude. I met him on set of Taboo. Oh, damn, actually, Taboo. That launches on Saturday. It's Wednesday now. On Saturday the 7th, Taboo launches on BBC One um, at like 9 or 9.30 or 9.45 or 10 or something. Sorry, I've got a stutter. Um, and Taboo is the new series that I'm in. I'm not in episode one, but episode one's fantastic. I think I come in in episode two or three. But yeah, it's the new series with Tom Hardy. Um, I've done a spoken word thing about it, actually. I don't know if that'll be, be up yet when this goes live. It might be. I was writing a spoken word thing whilst on set because we were... F- filming it all through the beginning of uh of 2016 and i found it fascinating so i started to write a spoken word piece kind of about the experience about the idea of making a period drama which is a great british institution but making it dark and um kind of intense and 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 not like a normal period drama because the fact is those times that we document so much in british tv 
were like the highest times of murder and and disease and and just general darkness and horribleness so it's exciting to see that side of it and obviously tom hardy stephen graham tom hollander Stephen Knight wrote it, who wrote Peaky Blinders and Locke and loads of other amazing things. It's produced by Ridley Scott. Um, yeah, so I wrote I, I wrote this thing about that, about about my experiences, about the excitement of it all, about the weirdness of it all, about paying respect to a British institution, but also trying to subvert the kind of tradition of it all, and um, and also how how you'd get to do that how you'd get the reins loose enough and how you'd get the trust and things like having Tom Hardy and Ridley Scott involved, I think will have helped let the BBC loosen their, their leash slightly to say, all right, well you just go ahead and make it and then we'll see how it turns out rather than what would be the traditional way of a lot of kind of eyes on it and a lot of um, rules and regulations. Anyway, it's about that. I wrote it it's it's probably online now it's if it's not it's going up on 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 vice.com soon um and yes yeah, exciting i can't wait for you to all, all all to see episode 1 on saturday but yeah i met rob there i mean we talk about all this but rob it was his first ever acting gig he's a former professional rugby player and we had one of the most open and engaging conversations i've had he talks about a lot of stuff that he's he's never talked about before and it's important subject. So yeah, hope you enjoy it. I'm going to end this now because this is a long podcast anyway. Hope you're all pleased to be back for the new year. And uh, this little podcast will help you with your journeys to and from work as you're kicking the new year off. This is Distraction Pieces Podcast episode 131 with Rob Parker. The now traditional start to podcasts is to say how you're doing the traditional start of podcasts by just, you've just started a recording. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. A lot of podcasts will go, oh, that's it. We've started. There's no intro. Yep. But now everyone self, self-references that. So it's becoming incredibly meta. But anyway, I'm here today in the kitchen of Rob Parker. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thanks. It's good to have you up north, Pip. It's lovely to be up here and I'm, I'm excited to chat. Um, uh, uh, We've been saying for ages that we're going to do this haven't we and yeah just, i wasn't just not got round to i it. wasn't quite sure if i was high enough in the pecking order on your radar to, to be to be pit worthy for the uh, podcast i'll be honest uh, the reason it's taken so long potentially is originally uh, me and mr hardy yes. our mutual friend thomas were really up for doing one with all three of us and that kind of delayed it a bit because obviously he's a busy man yeah and it was it was it was one of them where i was like right i want to talk to rob and even if it means that when we do have Tom on, it's the three of us still. This means at this point that we can focus on just us. Yeah, let's focus. It's all about me today, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Yeah, we don't want him taking all the limelight. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, I'm putting this out at the beginning of January, and it's good timing because that's when Taboo comes out, which is where we met. Um, so let's start there. I mean, I do want to go back to your rugby career, to to to. to, to to growing up up north and and up north, up north I like that. You do it. You do a good northern accent. Oh, this is a weird thing. I've not told anyone this yet, but I'm I'm staying up here as you know for a, f- a few days to, to do some writing. And last night was my first night up here, and I decided to be northern while here. 
Right, food you got in cat, you got in car- character in shops, in everything, and it, it, it's not, it's not like I had tons of conversations. What did you go on brief... order when you was in the shops? Well, I I, I actually had to get some toenail scissors. <laughs> um, hey, what yeah, about any toenail? I did it. I, I I tried to just anyone I was engaging with just to be northern and do it in a northern accent, just you know, for a bit of fun. Because again, you're never going to think that someone's. Well, I'm faking it. Like, why would you? Yeah, I started doing that. I went to the cinema the other day with the kids. And obviously because the acting things come about and and no way have I ever trained in any form of acting. And um, the kids, yeah, my two girls, Dixie and Lola, they're pretty cool with doing different accents and stuff like that. And there was, I think we might have gone to McDonald's first. And I ordered it. I was like, tried to be Scottish. Yeah. And they were were just wetting themselves, you know, like, so really funny. So we went to the cinema and they went, oh, go on, daddy, order again in Scottish and stuff. So I was like, all right, can I have two tickets? You know, and so I started to do it just, just, and I got a bit, I got nervous, but like it was a bit of a buzz, to be honest. It's really good fun and it's interesting because... it's an odd one because we'll, we'll get, get into this because your career into acting is a very strange one. And people often say it's not, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I don't agree with that completely. It's, it is who you know, but it's also how much you're willing to learn from them, how open you're willing to be. And what's kind of happened with t- Taboo is you, is, as you knew Tom and he kind of thought I'll sling you in because, because, you, because you look right. But then you did get extra days constantly and you got on well and you actually helped me quite a lot. And this is going to sound odd. I wasn't the newbie. (laughs) um, Yeah. Or because you are also very willing. When there was me, you Oscar nominee, Tom Hardy and, and BAFTA nominee and winner, Stephen Graham. Graham. When it's just us four stood there, you'd ask them questions and they would give, Thankfully, both of us, these amazing There was a point when we was, in, uh, we was in Cornwall, wasn't yeah, we? And, yeah. and I remember being just in Cornwall. I'd never been to Cornwall before in my life. Yeah. Um, and it was a great excuse to obviously go down to say, oh, yes, I was filming uh, on Taboo with yeah. Tom and Pip and, yeah. and Stephen Graham. <laughs> but we, we were sat at the side of the docks and it's just like we shared a moment. I know it sounds really? a bit kind no, of I strange. Agree. I remember but it as clear as anything. Like I was asking Tom because... I shouldn't know any answers about yeah. anything to do with acting. And, you know, I always kind of, I'm quick to, I hate when people kind of pretend that they know the answers to something. Completely. I actually worked on the railways once I finished playing rugby. I had yeah. no idea, career path, what I was going to do. And there's all these little kind of acronyms of, of things in the railways. And we had, you know, managers and, and site yeah. managers. And they'd be like, um, can you just go over there, get me uh, 22 TCBs, 190 by 60s. And I'm like, I knew what they were, but I was like, well, what are these TCBs? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm just intrigued to know and further my education, yeah. even if it was just doing All on I the know railways. of TCB is Elvis taking care of business. <laughs> taking care. Uh, tension control <laughs> bolts, I think they were. They're, they're the nuts that go in. Yeah. But I just wanted to know what they were. And, and that's probably stood me in good stead because when I meet people, I'm intrigued by them. Like when, we, you know, we had... To learn and Yeah, to we, when we stayed at your house yeah. after the Cornwall... Um, little trip and we was going back to London we were staying over and then we was filming the next day yeah. and we was round at your house and um, just seeing little things like oh, what does that do how does yeah. this work and you know I look at my kids now and th- th- there's different stats you know how many questions kids ask every yeah. day and I'm no different you I know I, really I want to know things And I, I've just finished listening on the drive over here along along Snake's Path and all that I was, I was listening to Kevin Smith on Joe Rogan's podcast right? and it's a great episode and one of the things I, I, I love about Kevin is the first time he said it, it almost sounded rude, but so many times in that podcast, he says, explain. Yeah. Cause Joe says something that he doesn't know because he, doesn't, I, he hasn't got an, 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 
an, an inside knowledge of that. He just says, explain. And Joe then gives, all oh, right, so the, there was this type of of kind of creature that existed at the same time as man and it got wiped out and this and that and goes into this this, this huge detail and that's really important well, to I, have that comfort. I've never ever listened to uh, you, you, you were my first by the way Pip. Excellent. I'd never even listened to podcasts I've <laughs> yeah. got an iPhone yeah. uh, there are other phones available out there but I have got an iPhone I mean people would be even, pleased to, to, uh, to know that even even I, I went on I'm working hard on getting into new areas I'm still hustling at, at the old shit I was on set saying yeah, check my podcast you, out. Yeah, you want to give this? Just check my podcast out. Hey, have you seen this guy called Scroobius Pip? He's all right because obviously you was in character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I, you were the first person I listened to in yeah. podcasts and stuff. And because we'd met, you know, I, thought, I felt kind of duty bound. I've got to at least give it one listen. Yeah, fair. And it was it was really intriguing, you know. And, and it was a bit of you know, I think you're the say thirty five. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember this is your life? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it was a bit kind of like, oh, this is interesting, and yeah. this is your life, and it's not just people procrastinating and talking or, you know, it's just an open book about talking, you know, you can even drop a couple of swear words in which, you know, it's right up my street. I remember the reason I recommended it to you at the time. And again, it comes down to the, it's not just who you know, it's your openness, it's your willingness. You were driving to and from the North and the South without hotels most of the time. Yeah. Driving down and sleeping in your car for a few hours before (laughs) we start filming and things like that to get this opportunity and again that's that's n- not a case of oh he knows tom hardy that's why he's in it that's a case yeah. of you've you've gone out on a limb you've taken a risk and gone look i'm going to try this and see if i can learn and see what i can make work well there was a chance there was a chance that i got and i took it with, with both hands and there was days where you know the the ad's were saying oh you're in tomorrow or you're in next week just for one day now i live in bolton yeah and they'd be filming down in london and luton yeah. and different places like that i'm like Right, okay, I never asked any questions, never played on the relationship with Tom or yep. anyone else, kind of like, can you sort me out? It's like, right, okay. And he used to set off at, you know, three in the morning, two in o'clock in the morning, just so I can miss all the traffic, get yeah. on set for six, seven o'clock, start doing the makeup and everything. Yeah. We'd do 12 hours filming, I'd drive back. Yeah, and, it's crazy. And I was it's shattered, crazy. but in, in this strange way as well, I mean, in that four or five week period that I ended up doing throughout the filming uh, side of things, I did on six, seven thousand miles, like yeah. genuinely. Yeah. And all the time I was driving and I was knackered and going through everything. I just kept thinking, I'm driving down to London going filming. And yeah. I had even though it was tiring, it was such a, you know, kind of privileged position as if it was it like it was on a first day. It makes it even more rewarding in ways. I remember a similar one and it's it, it's weird things for us to talk about because they're really weird internal thoughts. <laughs> I, 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 I to bet be- at points you got a lot of pride on those drives because you're like, look how hard I'm willing to work. Look, I've done this this full day and I'm I'm I'm, I'm working more because I had one where we'd done a on one of the days in Tilbury. It would have been one of the first times I met I met you, in fact. But we'd done a good twelve hour day, but getting in there a couple of hours earlier than that. So I'd I'd left between leaving and getting home. It was at least fourteen fifteen hours. Yep. And at the beginning of the year, I'd started. Getting into CrossFit, and my yep. guy had been giving me my daily things, and I didn't, I want to miss any. And I got home at nine o'clock, and I put some food in the oven, and I thought I can't do my training. And then I just went, no, I can, I can do yeah. it. The food's going to take an hour. I've got time, and I went in and did this exercise and workout, and I probably didn't smash it, but I felt so proud that it's Is like it right, I've done a full day's work, a long day's work, but I'm still got time to do this, and 
it's it's okay. I think that's you what um, that's what obviously you know going back into into my rugby career. Yeah, I used to train full time, yeah. and when you say I train full time, I train for four hours a day. Yeah, and we used to see people turn up at the different gyms. We'd train at like sometimes at different clubs. We'd be at like a like a total fitness gym. Yeah, yeah, and you'd see people getting in there. Doing an hour's work, an hour's kind of training, yeah. and then the sh- shoot, uh, suit and ties would be there ready, and they'd go off to work. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what well, they're doing that as well as a job. Yeah. You know, I never realised what a privileged position I was in. So yeah. when I see people now doing the training, uh, I just have massive respect that they can do a 12 hour shift or 10 hours yeah. of work, and then go and have that and you know, kind of will to train. It's really interesting because it's different. It's there's nothing wrong with either outlook. It's all it's all what you're conditioned to at the time. Because I remember when I was doing Edinburgh Fringe and everyone was like, you need to have some some days off scheduled. It's exhausting. And my argument, like, I think I had I did 19 shows in a row and I had two days off scheduled in there. But my argument was, it's an hour a night. Yeah. Like, I've, got, I've got 19 days off. I've not got... I, don't, but yeah. I did then see that you do get a bit burnt out or you do more you need a day off to go and see stuff that's on at the same time as you to keep you interested and excited. But it was one of them. I was like, in my mind, I was like, mate, it's <laughs> my day's work is it's, one hour. Again, there's, there may be an hour before and an hour afterwards. But, but it gives you perspective, three hour day, it? Mate. Yeah, I don't and, need a day off if that's uh, the case. And I've kind of, you know, throughout <laughs> my career, yeah, it's tough playing rugby. And, and I was fortunate enough that I played professional rugby at the highest level yeah. for Super League and... And, and doing different things, represent some good, you know, some good clubs, and, yeah. and played for my country. And whilst it is tough and it is hard, it's not that hard, really. You no. know, you, you kind of you get to a certain level, and and then you know, four or five hours a day, you're probably training for because it starts to taper off towards yeah. the back end yeah. of the week. Yeah. You're probably doing twenty hours a week. Sometimes I'll do that in a day now. You know, yeah. to, and, yeah. and it seems weird to comprehend. And yeah. I think because I necessarily had it easy in one respect yeah you know you went and I was a paid thug you know I was a battering realm yeah, you know yeah, yeah. whichever way we want to dress it up I, I you know I was I was a rugby player and that was really easy and then when my career finished that was a massive not necessarily a car crash as such but it was a massive shock to the system that, yeah what shit all these people do that and then go training and yeah. do what I do and they might train for five days a week as well yeah, and that well, really you, you yeah. sometimes clouded, and you you put in this little bit of a bubble. And I used to kid myself, you know, I'd come home and even the day before a game, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have four hours kept now. You know, that was the time when I was sleeping. Yeah, I used to, and I, I became lazy because of it. I became yeah. we're creatures of habit, and I became institutionalized. Justify it, you yeah. it all in your head. It's completely and justified. I kind of, I've got a game in two days. I need to rest. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get tired legs when I'm playing. Yeah, the irony being that I became tired because I was being lazy. Yeah, and if only, you know, if only I knew now what I knew then, yeah, what, yeah, what I yeah, should have yeah, known yeah. then. Um, I wish I'd have been more active and done a lot more yeah. things. And I think my own personal fitness would have been better because of that. But it's tough and sports science is huge now. I mean, yeah, I retired three years ago and there's so many different things now and different contradictions now with sports science, that things that I did back in the day. It's constantly developing, which is a, a, a good thing. But it's interesting. I, I think I'm lucky that I got into music and everything else after having worked in retail, in factories, yeah. on on lorries, on all sorts. Because a lot of people, even now, even now I'm not touring, I will say, how do you find the time to do so many different things? And the fact is, so many people do the job that's their passion of music or whatever, and they get up at midday, and then they knock about a bit, and then they'll get some work done. It's like, 
uh, when I worked in HMV, and I never hated it, but it's it's not like it was my dream. I was doing l- l- long shifts. I was doing f- at least two or three hours overtime most days, yep. unpaid, yep. just there because it's your store and you want it to be the best. I was putting that much time into a retail job for someone else. Yeah. I should equally put that much time into the stuff that's my passion and my dream, right? And, and, and when you do that, or when you see, even if you just work a nine to five, that's a lot of hours for writing songs or recording podcasts or do it or working on a, a book or whatever else. I've seen so many different uh, analogies of that now that you do put so much hard work in for, for other people. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, us as a society, as if we've been conned for all these years, yeah. you know, these big bosses in, in the cotton factories yeah. and obviously in, through the industrial age, it's like, oh, that's what you should have done. You know, it was if it was within you that, right, well, you know, once you finish school, you get yourself an apprenticeship and then you go and work for someone else yeah. and then you do nine to five and, yeah. you know, you work every day, you know, and every hour over time. Yeah. And then when you get to 65, you get a real big party and a thanks and a gold clock and then a couple of years and you're dead. Yeah. And I think perceptions and, and people's mindset now have starting to change. And I think this is now through social media as well. Everyone's a businessman now, you know, and I Everyone's guess, a bit more aware is yeah, the thing because of the internet and because of things like that. Again, at that point, you're not really getting the chance to think 65 years ahead or whatever. You're just going, oh, what? So I need to go and get this to, to pay this bill now. Yep. Do you know what and I mean? You get you're, you're not being allowed race. to think too much. And then you're forgetting about it. The, the 25-year-olds entering the workforce aren't hanging out yeah. with the 65-year-olds who are just being booted out with no pension or no, or no, you know, And I, I think, security. you know, since, you know, since, since from, from a playing days and then obviously what would it have been maybe 10 months ago since we, we did uh, the filming for yeah. Taboo. Yeah. Um, it sounds strange, but it's changed my outlook on life. Yeah. Um, because I was surrounded by some inspirational people, yourself yeah. being one of them, and obviously, and obviously <laughs> standard. Um, obviously, I've not started writing any poetry yet, but watch <laughs> this space. Um, but there were there was people that were I was around with, and when I was playing rugby, I was surrounded by sportsmen, and they're of a different caliber. Yeah, you know that 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 will to win and 100%. that desire and, and honesty and integrity, all those buzzwords. But when I kind of went over into into the acting world, yeah, I met people with. The same kind of outlook on life, but a different spin on it. Creative people. Yeah. And I've never met creative people yeah. before. And yourself and, and Stephen Graham and, and, and obviously Tom. And we formed a nice little relationship between us, didn't yeah. we? And I felt, obviously I felt out my depth in certain areas because I'm like, well, I'm just this area-ass rugby player that's turned up. I've got nine and a half fingers. Yeah. A decent set of ears on me. <laughs> a couple of scars. What am I doing with these guys? And once I... I kind of relaxed and, and kind of, well, you're just a normal bloke, you know. Stevie's just a normal bloke. Yeah. Tom is ex- just the most typified most normal. normal bloke. Yeah. And you were just good blokes. And I thought, well, I was there to listen and learn from you. And, and I found that the more I listened, and, and this kind of transpires back from, my, I, I'm a salesman, you know, yeah. commercial sales, but I'm good at talking. Yeah. And I got told, <laughs> I got told one day, you've got two ears and one mouth. Think about that. Yeah. yeah and so yeah, I yeah. thought, right. Now it's time to shut the fuck up and listen to what people have got to say. And there were things and little bits of tidbits that you, and, and, you know, I know you've not done much acting, but you've performed. Yeah. And there was stuff that Stephen was saying and Tom, and when they said, I listened because 
and I, I think there's a lot of, of, of um, potential sportsmen or ex-sportsmen now that could go into the acting world because there is a guy uh, who I've been and spoke to, another rugby player, a guy called Adam Fogarty. Yeah. Um, he was Gorgeous George in Snatch. He actually played yeah. with Steve Graham. Right. Yeah, well, he's yeah, a former of he's a former professional rugby player. Yeah. And I remember being on set and, you know, the directors, for me there's a lot of analogies with, with rugby yeah. it, within life, you know, yeah. with working as a team and there's leaders and there's doers and followers, everything like that. Yeah. And I looked at the directors as my coach, you know, they yeah. were going to tell me, right, Rob, to win this game, we need you to do this part. Yeah. You're not going to score the winning try, right? That's, yeah. for, that's for Tom to do. Gonna say, Tom's going to sc- think of, of the awareness of your role in the team yeah, as well. Tom, Tom's going to not- score the yeah. tries, you know what yeah. I mean? Stevie might kick a goal and, you know, Pips is a safe pair of vans and he's going to get you forward. Yeah. He's like, yeah. all I need you to do, Rob, is tackle and run hard. Yeah. So once I knew my role within the, the, our little kind of dynamics, it was like, oh, it's perfect. I, I can work with that. And, yeah, that's great. And that's why I love filming and... and you know, it, it seems ages ago, I suppose 10 months is a long time yeah. and it's not long to go now. And I'm, I'm very anxious in a really excited way to see what it comes out as because you and I were both down at the like private screening. Yeah, uh, the premiere. Premiere, private screening. Um, and because I watched, you know, obviously I watched everything first down through my own eyes of, of watching, you know, how things were filmed yeah. and, and how, you know, how the scenes were and, and they were amazing, weren't they? Especially yeah. in Tilbury and, yeah. and in Cornwall, the, the actual locations. Yeah, but fantastic. then now we've seen it on the television, well, on the screen, on the big screen as well. It, it's weird. Like it looks amazing. It's a world, isn't it? It's 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 fascinating. And I've 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 got that ex- exact uh, same outlook of kind of trying to take in as much as you can while you're there. Yeah. And again, I think what worked well f- f- for you was again an awareness of. Of, of of your role yes. an awareness that it's like right your job at this point isn't to try and steal any seams that's that's not the point and and it's it's to make sure that you're you're adding to and helping the scenes and again you've got the role because essentially you've got a good look you've yep. got you've you're a big burly bloke, handsome handsome said. big burly you're, bloke you're, you've got nine and a half fingers that's yep. interesting <laughs> um you've got some scars you've got a a, a a look of someone who's who's lived, yes, and that's weathered. what you kind, of, yeah, and that's kind of what you want in this this situation. But the reason you kept getting extra days and kept getting in extra bits, and and I was I was watching a scene. I had to to do some ADR on a scene, and it's I think ADR, it's the first time. What's, explain um, exactly. It's, it's it's basically when you go in and record extra. Um, like a voiceover, additional dialogue replacement or oh, audio dialogue learning, replacement. I, like I think it. it's, it's something like that. But yeah, it's going in and sometimes it'll be t- 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 to tidy up a, a scene that doesn't work. So yep. as I've turned away, so you can't see my mouth. They'll add a bit of me going, "Robert, <laughs> open the gates" or something like that. Do you know what I mean? To to a little bit of exposition to kind of yes. to lead the scene on. And I, was, I did a bit. Um, which was all in all in the, the in the bit filmed in Tilbury, and I think it's the first time your character gets his name used. Oh um, right, because and St- again, Stevie improvised it because yes, he I liked remember. It. It and <laughs> and it's in reference to, to to, and I'm sure I won't get in trouble because yeah, actually because it's improvised. So on the scripts that say we're legally not allowed to share them, <laughs> this is a, the yeah, script, yeah. But anyway, it, was, it just says that um, it's a bit where. Oh, we're having to look after someone and they're being a bit annoying. My character's called Cole. And and, and Stevie just says, um, Cole will, will beat him to, to, uh, to death 
Oh, with his own cock if he doesn't. Cole will beat him to his death with his own cock. Yeah, Cole, that was it. Was Cole's going to beat him to death with his own cock. <laughs> and again, it was like, there you go, because that was... But I remember when I, he I said it, I was like, that's not in the script. But yeah. we went with it, and then after, we went, and finish, or cut. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, what did you just say? <laughs> He's going to beat him with his own cock. Like, oh, fair enough. It's beautiful. So, did you arrive with or expect any prejudices? Because again, you're... you're the, I was so excited. This is essentially a load of, of in, 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 or potentially in your mind, a load of southern dandies playing about on set, doing their acting thing. Do you know what I mean? And you're, you're yeah, proper, yeah, a lads. proper man's right, man they're, they're, doing press ups on my knuckles in the car. Equally, park. could go the other way. You could expect, I'm inexperienced. Are they all going to be like, who's this, who's this meathead that's here to, I kind of to, don't to really remember what, what, you know, kind of, feelings I had I just I just remember being excited yeah and and Tom you know I actually it's a, fun, <laughs> it's a funny kind of uh, story how it came about and maybe yeah. we'll come on to it in a minute but I just knew I was going down filming for for three or four days yeah. you know gotta look tough bit of a background thing yeah look tough look mean and we'll see what goes on and and I think Tom originally had me down for this other character within within his gang uh, and did a couple of days filming, and that I remember first meeting yourself yeah, and Stevie yeah. and that. And, uh, you know, we were chatting away like any other relationship. Again, you meet I think them. it's kind of handy. Again, and and we'll get on to chance and luck uh, later on, but not in an arrogant way, but I think the perfect people for you to have met on the first day oh. is me, who's, again, from a working-class background, but new to, yep. new to this, but slightly more experienced. I've done yep. a couple of things, and obviously I've spent a, a good few years on stage. And Stevie, who's just a proper bloke, a proper northerner, yeah. a proper working class lad, th- but has a, a wealth of experience. So it's that kind of yeah, that instant familiarity. I think everyone, in, in my opinion, ways, was absolutely lovely. But I think there's certain people you could have met on the first day that are more actors who yes. are established and have been of course, treading yeah. the boards for years that might have been harder to connect with or make yeah, you feel comfortable. Who, who's this newbie? Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and I understand that because, again, back to the rugby stuff, I've gone where I've been a young kid in a team. Yeah. You've got to win respect. You don't yeah. go in and start putting your training gear on, on whoever's peg. You kind of wait until, the, you know, one of the lads says, oh, you can use that little bit of a change room, or you yeah. can sit here if you yeah, want, yeah, mate. Yeah. And I think that's been instilled into me over the years. And then when you change from one rugby club to another rugby club, even though you know the lads because you played against them the year previous and stuff, you're kind of like, well, I've got to go and build relationships with these. I, yeah. I was knocking seven shades of shit out of them last year. Or trying to at least. Yeah. Now yeah. they've got to be my mates they've now, be you know. Best friends. And so I, you you build up these, you know, kind of relationship building questions and yeah. you know how to work with people. It's weird that switch. It's, and it's it's why I've always struggled, and not to take you off track, but it's why I've struggled to get as excited about international sports as I do about club football. Yeah. Because like Millwall, I'm supporting those boys. Week in, week out, and the other guys, I hate them. Yep. And then all of a sudden, one will sign for yeah, one will sign for you. All of a sudden, they're the best person (laughs) in the world. It's like I still support England, but still, I'm not. I'm a Millwall fan ahead of an England fan because that's week in, week out. But yeah, so yeah, so so, so we went. You know, we I got on set. I got on set, and and there's yourself and. I remember, you know, you're you're a weird looking dude. You know, you've got yeah. a, you know, six foot plenty, uh, longer than a fortnight. You yeah. know, weird <laughs> tattoos. I'm kind of thinking, are these real? Are they fake? Are they yeah. that shit? And or that what's was kind what? of the amusing thing was the ones that they added to me matched a lot of the ones the ones I've that got. you've got anyway. So, so I'm there was to one work. day where one of, there was a, 
or one of the cover makeup girls was taking off my tattoos at the end of the day. <laughs> and and I left it a good minute or two before I told her the ones yeah, that she that was one. trying to take off of mine. <laughs> so she's scrubbing for ages trying to get these tattoos off my hand. I'm like, no, that's yeah, actually that's there. Mine, so if yeah. you leave that, that's... Uh, you know, big beard, grey beard, big long ponytail. And I remember, I don't know how we got talking, but we got talking about MMA. Yeah, yeah. And I, and you, I had no idea you knew about MMA. Yeah. You know, why would you? Yeah, I know yeah, you, you categorise people. Yeah. And as soon as we started talking and your wealth of knowledge within MMA, I'm like, fuck, this guy knows his stuff. He's, I want to be, I want to be his friend. And, and <laughs> anyone on, on, on Twitter knows now as well, if you really want to get me rambling, MMA, yeah. MMA is the go-to. Yeah, so as soon as, so, as soon as there was someone, cause, cause no one else was particularly into it on South, no, I think, as soon as someone mentioned Ozzy exactly the same, I was like, I like this guy. Yeah, this, yeah. We, let's we've talk got about a Connor. Let's talk about this. Let's. Yeah. So, so that was our kind of for me going into the changing rooms, talking about things with, in the rugby set. Yeah. You and I talking about MMA was brilliant, and you know I trained a little bit, and, and obviously through rugby you, you pick up different techniques yeah. and stuff like that. And you know you'd done your referees course. You were talking. Yeah. I was intrigued yeah. about it. Yeah. So that was we kind of built that relationship early, and then with Stevie being there. Um, you know, northerner, scouser. Easy. It was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, I can get chatting to him. And I, and I think, you know, maybe Tom must have said, oh, that's my mate, you know, Rob, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, look after him a little bit. And and Tom was in quite a few scenes that we were doing, but yeah. for the majority in certain bits, it, it the three amigos, it, yeah. it was me, you and Pip, uh, yeah. sorry, me, you and Stevie. Yeah. And Stevie took me under the wing, you know, yeah. and I, I love that, you know. It's kind of great as he... he done that to me about th- three weeks ahead yes and it was kind of beautiful to get to and I, I had this with with Danny and Fiona as well yeah. that I'd been there a couple of weeks and then it was really weird I had, I had one day where it finished and I'd realized that I'd been giving out loads of advice yeah and not in a, a dickish way no, I don't no, think was... when people were saying oh no one's told us uh, what to do I was like well just pretend this whole thing is real yeah just do what you need to because again the fact is the director isn't going to come and give each of us a little pep talk exactly. and go right here's what you need it's like you're in the scene just pretend remember, this is your world uh, just i remember just, just play to yourself essentially forget re- cameras forget everything there, there was a scene early on in, in tilbury and we was in this it was like a pub a little shack yeah and yeah. uh we there's this you know group of people all together and we're, we're all part of a gang the dolphin shack in the dolphin shack and um Stevie came in because we were we were all together in this little shack and I think they had to decide how the, the scene was going to go. Yeah. And so we, we probably had 40 minutes together but it was weird because we all should have been friends or perceived friends, that, you know, obviously when, when the film's rolling. Yeah. But we'd never met each other. Yeah. It was like speed yeah. dating. Yeah. yeah and I remember in. Stevie coming <laughs> in and, you know, trying to, he was telling jokes because everyone knew who he was, you know, yeah. he was telling jokes and he was really engaging with, you know, from Fiona to me to yeah. whoever and to different extras and stuff. And to the point that once we actually said, you know, action, we actually look like a gang of people and, and we wonderful. have to build that relationship. It's, it's genius psychology on his part as well because he's the boss. Yeah. So him coming in and taking control before we're rolling, it builds that exact course, thing. We're yeah. going to be having that kind of respect and, and, and looking over at him if we're not sure what to do. If we're doing that in real life, that works on camera as well. And, and I think that's why it ended up you know, working so well and I got more days because... You could see that we, we we had a laugh off the field, off the field, off yeah. the screen, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we went into it, and and that's just it was brilliant. I you know I loved it, so I had no preconceived ideas of how it was going to be, and I remember my first day on set, 
And uh, I think I don't think Tom was there yet. You know, they, they try and leave him as late as possible, yeah. so he obviously he's not hanging round, yeah. and rightly so. He's earned his stripes. Yeah. Um, so I turned up. And, you know, guy met me, he said, right, you're in that you're in that big marquee over there, you know, with all the rest of them. You know, you get changed in there, yep. you wait around, there's some food if you want. That's like being a new, young kid again in rugby. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't have your own peg, you don't yeah. have someone cleaning your boots for you, you go and do it yourself. Yeah. It's and, weird, the hierarchy, I, man. It's I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it in the fact that I didn't want to turn up day one and go, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, I'm, I'm friends with, uh, with Tom Hardy. And again, that's... And it. I didn't want to play on that. I wanted to kind of... It's you the know, exact just, thing. As, as again, I'm sure I told you at the time, uh, when I got the audition for Taboo, it came through and it came f- through my agent and it said Tom Hardy in it. And I thought, I've got Tom Z. And we, it's not like we were mad close, but we talked. Yep. We emailed back and forth. I was like, I don't want to hit him up. Yeah. Like, because again, it, it felt r- wrong. It was like, right, the audition has come organically. Yeah. I'd already had a meeting Oh, with that casting director, I'd, I'd arranged to go in and meet them. I'd hassled them and said, look, just let me talk to you. I just want to sit yeah. down in, in, in a room with you. And, and, and they, and they liked me there. So it was that exact same thing. It's like, I'm not going to mention, do I know, Tom. I'm going to try and get it. And then if I get it, then I can kind of say. Well, it's on your own merit then, isn't it? And it feels, like I said, more organic, but you're you're the right person for the job. I mean, I bypassed all that stuff, I'll be honest with you, and went straight in. So, um, you know, but but I remember being on set and there were other uh, act uh, kind of extras and stuff like that. And they're all... They're all talking about different things they've been on, and 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 they had this. You know, there's a lot of people um, that go from set to set to set, yeah, doing yeah. different stuff together yeah. and, and all the other things. And so we're all sat around, and you know, I'm, I'm chatting away, and they're all like, "So, uh, what have you been on before?" And I kind of turn around in the best Northern accent, like, "I don't fuck all, mate." They, and they, they kind of looked at me. They went, "No, no, you you obviously must have done some scenes before and stuff." Like that. I was like, "No, it's my first time." And they all kind of looked at me as a bit weird, as if like. Why are you here? How yeah. how have you got this kind of thing? So, you know, I just left it at that. And I remember doing different scenes and, and different things. And, and again, I was just told when to turn up, what to do and how to do it. And I did that. Yeah. But uh, there's this weird, the people at the top, you know, the top of the pecking order, they get it. They know it and, and they'll help out and they'll do everything. Yeah. And then there's this kind of middle lost no man's land of, of people. And they're just there to, be in the background, yeah. you know, and that's part of it. And, and so was I to start off But with. essentially, it's also quite cutthroat. Yeah, at, well, exactly. Well, this is the, the bit. That, that level. And so we're doing different things, and one of the directors got, right, give me two uh, give me two lads over here. And did, like three of them had, like, run off to try and yeah. elbow each other out the pick way. Me, and, me. Yeah. and there were different stuff. And I remember, I can't remember how it came, but I just remember one of the lads saying, uh, I've been thinking about this, and I don't think my character should really be doing this here. I'm thinking, mate, you're just plucking a chicken in the background. I'm yeah. pretty sure no one's asked. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's finding the and that's a, not a to sound bitchy because it's at good. All. It's, it's finding the balance because I think it's good to have consideration and to go deep into as again the thing that Stevie kept saying is there's no such thing as a small role. There's only a small actor. So again, yeah. finding your, your character and going into that. But as I said, it's fine. It's knowing the balance of the importance of it. Uh, exactly. Um, and do put that level of thought into your character, but if it's a small enough bit of information, um, or if it's not important, then don't trouble anyone with it. I'd even go as far as to say, just do it. Well, I remember if, 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 if it's not key to the scene, then and you don't think you'd be, 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 be plucking a, a, a dead bird, you'd be 
rolling out some pastry, then just roll the fucking pastry <laughs> out, mate. Don't, don't bring the whole thing to a halt. So, excuse me, guys, yeah. I think I've got an idea. I need a little bit more flour in this yeah, pastry. Yeah. It's not actually fluffing up quite a- well. Again, it's that thing of, of, of whether you're doing it for, for the good of the project or yeah. for your own and so, attention. you know, I, I quickly, you know, I aesthetically learn. I see things, I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, I like that. And I used to be like that when, when I played, you know, being a young kid and a very impressionable young kid as well. Um, I used to look at different people and within the changes. When I when I signed from, from you know, when I you know, finished school and signed for Bradford Bulls in 1998, 99, I went from being a kid who loved rugby and, and mm. you know, there was all these guys on television that I was looked up to. Yeah. In the same way we look up at Tom and, and yeah. yourself and Stevie and everyone like that. And the next thing, like, I'm like mates with them. I'm in the changing rooms with them and they're getting undressed and naked. And It's a weird world, isn't it? It's, and it's, weird, it's how weird that six months previous, yeah. these were my idols and now they're my teammates. The, uh, the uh, Just a Band bit in Thou Shall Always yep. Be, which was my first song. That's exactly about that. It's just saying that these are all just regular people and we can put them on these pedestals. But the fact is, when you're in the changing room with them yeah. and you've all, all got your... Your cocks out. They're, they're the same as you. They're regular. They're not, regular not, not too dissimilar. I was a little bit bigger in one department. So, so, it was cold though. So, so you, a gr- a growing up, rugby was always a big thing for you, right? You were always. I tried. Into I was it. a little shit, you know. Right. I uh, my mum and dad, you know, real, you know, good, honest people, working class. My dad was a mechanic. Yeah. And so I got into motorbikes when I was a, a young kid. Right. So I think I had my first motorbike when I was three years of age. Awesome. Uh, so I had motorbikes. Grew <laughs> up with crazy. that. And then just constantly had motorbikes. We had a little bit of land near where we lived and stuff. So I was always doing things like playing knock and run and garden hopping. I don't, yeah. I think you call it like knock down ginger or yep. something yep. down yep. south. Yep. Down ginger, I've yep. worked out the kind of north south yep. divide yep. of that. So playing knock and run and but garden hopping and m- messing about and getting into trouble that's not serious trouble, can, right? Yeah, character yeah. building. Yeah. And so I did all that and then. I had so much energy as a kid. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to kind of fight people. Like, just ride my bike. Yeah. If, if we're going to have a race on our bikes, I'm going to just keep racing until I beat you. Yeah. I, you know, and yeah. I had that mentality. And I don't know if it was very kind of within me at an early age, but a competitive edge, right. which has probably been magnified over the years through, through sport. I think I tried karate when I was about eight or nine. Yeah. Tried football. Wasn't into football. The only bit of football that I liked was being a goalkeeper because I could use my hands. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they, they became, um, you know, they have these like six-week summer courses and different things throughout the yeah. summer holidays. There was this week course to uh, to do rugby. So I remember there was this kid that kept coming to school uh, and he'd come in on a Monday morning mm-hmm. and he'd have all these trophies to do with rugby. And he was like, yeah, I've won this trophy, I've won this trophy. Yeah. And I used to look at him and like, you would play a British Bulldog. Have you ever played? Yeah, Is yeah, that, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. there's universally known, That's a isn't universal it? Yeah, one, yeah. I think, yeah. So I was like British Bulldog champion at school. You know, I kind of just <laughs> run through everyone. And there was this... That's transferable. There, there, was, there, That's was, a, there, was, there was a bit skill. of a, a kind of soft-ass kid that kept coming in every week with all these trophies. Yeah. And all the girls are like looking at these trophies. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm having a bit of that. Yeah. So I went and did these rugby trials and then loved it because I used, I could... I could pretty much beat people up and not get like get and praise be, for yeah, it. Yeah, be congratulated. You know, like, I go and like smash work. people and run as hard as I can into people, and they run out the way. And I'm like, well, this is all right. Did, you know, this is this is this is did, what I'm about. Did rugby then teach you kind of the 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 honour and respects system? Then uh, I've, I've it's weird. I've had a lot of rugby players ask to come on or, or offered on, yep. and I've never had one on because. 
I always thought I'll only do the interviews I think I can do the best interview. Yeah. If, if you know what I mean. No, no, of course. I wasn't into rugby for, for many years, and then two years ago I started getting into it um the girl i was seeing was was massively into it and it was nice to have someone to educate you on it yes i mean to go to sit there and not feel like you're being an idiot by saying well, yeah. why is that happening what's that that we could sit there in a safe place and enjoy <laughs> in, enjoy rugby but one of the things that most people i know that are into rugby and not football always argue is the honor and respect in rugby the yeah. respect and again it was interesting because i watched and i was like it's not quite what you paint it to be. There was a few times I saw some horrible stamps and kicks, yeah, like some yeah, nasty yeah. shit. But still, the respect of the ref and the respect of, of 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 all that kind of thing, which in football you get so much moaning and so much faking injury and all this. But yeah, we did always, that start to to, to rain? I go in there thinking this this justifies all the naughty stuff I want to do. But instead, it actually goes right. This gives you a time and a place for the naughty stuff. It was controlled aggression. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've got to be, and have that controlled aggression. So right from the, I started playing at, uh, you know, nine years of age, um, quickly realised that this was my calling. And, and so, you know, nine, 10, 11. So then it comes like your, your local amateur team. And then you play for the town team, then you play for Lancashire and then Lancashire v Yorkshire. You know, rugby league is, 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 Class really is the, the northern game of rugby. Yeah. Uh, then played for England, schoolboys, yeah. different. So I quickly rose through the ranks and Amazing. rugby teaches you. I remember I've never been sent off in rugby. I got simbin once, I think, professionally. Right. And, you know, I, I try and be a little shit. I still am. You know, I try and wind yeah. people up yeah. if I can because that's part of the game. Yeah. Um, but it was knowing that you're against me now. I'm going to look in your eyes. I'm going to run as hard as, as I can at you. And if you yeah. run at me, I'm going to give everything I've got. And, and that real animal instinct, because there, there's something kind of primeval. Like, we, we love MMA. Yeah, yeah. And there's something primeval about two blokes locked in a cage, going yeah. hammer and tongs. And I love nothing more. I truly I believe uh, there is. I, I, I believe that all of that, um, uh, a physical violent urge, I think, sexual urges all of these are things that are just Im- Im- embedded in yeah, humans we're cavemen. they're, they're, we're they're cavemen, no. part of human nature and we do our best in society to then harness them and make them appropriate and use them in the right way and again i'm not saying that it should be fighting and sex on the streets constantly that that's, that's just choosing normal yeah, <laughs> stanfordly hope but, 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 but no it, but i think there is there are elements of that in all of us and that's it, it it's 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 frustrating at times when people act as if human nature is a completely peaceful and 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 no, and, and lovely it's thing. completely it's, bollocks. It's not. There's there's levels of it, but it's stuff we have to work hard at. It's one of the things I always say um, with kids is a kid's natural a, a reaction if their little sister takes their toy away it's, is to lump yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. We then they spend been... years teaching them why that's wrong. And again, that's the right thing to do. But don't tell me that human nature is to be all peace and all love. It's like, no, we choose which bits we go along that route and we work hard at it. I've always so looked again, at I'm it not saying as... that's bad. Yeah, but saying... I've always looked at it as a, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Neanderthal, you know, kind of hunter-gatherer. Yeah, yeah. I go out, I provide, and, the, you know, society has changed and, and I'm all for that. And, and, you know, I want equal pay and for, for women and, and everything like that. But even still... You know, I'll go out. I'll I'll earn as much money as I can. I'll come home. I'll you know bring the bring the food home. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of caveman instinct. And my wife, as much as she's you know kind of very professional and within her own work, she'd sooner sit at home with the kids and baking. Yeah. And I kind of like I'm just going to go out for a pint. You know. Yeah. And 
nothing's changed over thousands and thousands of years. We've got iPhones and nice clothes and different things and warm houses yeah. and stuff, but she likes doing that. Yeah. She likes putting on lights and, and if you like that, then there's nothing designs. wrong with that. It's, it's the thing that concerns me is the, the thing that the belief that if we come, uh, when we make progression in gender stereotypes and things like that, that there's then something r- wrong with, or with the previous. Well, it's progression. Progression is key, but it doesn't have to be everyone doing. If you're into something, then you can just be into it. You, yeah, well, there's, you, there's a you bit don't of have to like, be. Oh, I'm ashamed that I like to to bait because that's a stereotype. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's we do what, do whatever you do that makes it, you mate. happy and do it. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm not here to, to stereotype people, but there, there's a problem in rugby within professional rugby at the moment that you know we get taught to be as aggressive yeah. because you get rewarded for aggression. Of course. So for 80 minutes of, of, of a game, you know, two minutes, two hours to 40 minutes, you're told to be the nastiest, horrible bastard that you yeah. can be, right? Yeah. As soon as that whistle's blown, you have to kind of put your suit on, go upstairs, see some sponsors. They're very nice to see you. Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy the game? Yeah. And it's hard because you can't poke us with a stick and yeah. then expect us not to go out and get blind drunk and get in a fight because I mean, it's, that's testosterone it's, and it's, it's a great, you can't have it both ways. It's a great skill and, and, and discipline to learn though. Kind of, kind of Again, with an awareness that it may not work all the time, but that's an amazing thing to get people that fired up. And again, it's what I love about MMA is 99% of the time after... They've spent all that time going after each other. They will sh- shake I lo- hands that's and the hug bit that I love and about have respect sport, and love for each other because they've gone. I know what I went through to prepare for this. Yeah, you went through that too, mate, and no one else. And when you've only got us two, two, two guys who've, who've stood across from each other, gone hammer and tongue, give everything, and someone's got knocked out, whatever. Yeah. And I can't remember which fighter it was, but I think he choked him out, and it was someone like Fedor, or yeah. it was someone. Yeah. And as soon as he choked him out, he just stopped and held him. Yeah. Within his hands, like a yeah. little kid, as if yeah. to say, "Like, are you all right, mate?" Yeah, yeah. And that's that nurture and nature, yeah. and yeah, we've just you know kind of gone at it. I love it, but now we we respect each other, and 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 I love that. So, rugby, rugby's given me everything. Yeah. I've uh, I met my wife through playing rugby. Uh, I've got two beautiful kids, and and rugby has instilled that. I always find that if I'm if I'm away on holiday. And we get chances on bloke in a bar, you know. And there's a guy that you think, oh, I really like him. I get on with him. Yeah. And as soon as he scratches the surface, he's either played professional sports. Yeah. He's either been in the army. He's been in the military, or yeah. you know, he's been a police officer, or he's done something that the 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 kind of core beliefs that uh, that's been instilled in me. He's had. Yeah. And it's it's, like, it's that interesting. And that thing. like attracts like. It's 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 similar to the whole thing that um you realise. At, at, at the time, at school or whatever, the biggest deal is your, your options and what you're choosing and all this kind of thing. Looking back now, and I didn't complete a uni, I went to uni and I dropped out, but looking back now, things like a university, it's not particularly about what you're studying. It's about yep. the discipline to follow it through and complete it, which I didn't have, but still, it's that, it's that, it's that thing that you're not always just there to learn what you're doing then graduate and go into that it's it's to do that right i'm going to put this time and dedication in and work hard and complete it that's that's the real game you're playing there well i've you know i've i've got two kids uh two girls dixie and lola and 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 dixie's just started high school yeah um you know in in september and obviously that's a big change for her 
And uh, so she's gone to high school. Lola's still at junior school, but she goes to high school next year. There, there's right, only a yeah. year between them. And I was I was taking Dixie to school the other day, and she was on about something that she hadn't. You know, one of her teachers is on her about this, or there was this girl saying this. So, and these are things that we went through as, as kids. Hundred percent, yeah. And I don't want to wrap them in cotton wool. You know, I, I don't want to stop them from being kids because. The world's not, you know, rainbows and fluffy yep. dreams. It's not. And and Dixie was saying something to me like, oh, you know, I really want to do this and I feel I'm putting under pressure and stuff. And I actually stopped. I was like, Dixie, as long as you're a nice person, you'll do well in life. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm trying to teach them the the core values of what, what's got me to where I am now. Yeah, you know, because I'm sat here with, you know, Scroobius paper sitting and- across from me talking about some filming and, this has all come about. Not that I ever went to stage school. Yeah. I never kind of went to university yeah. or a drama school or anything like that. I did it. I'm here where I am because I was respectful and honest and Completely. found a way to get on with people and make the most of the situations I, that we're in. I've always felt really lucky that my parents from dead early on, again, I went to a, an, an all boys Catholic school. Yeah. It's, it was, it's, it's, it's a half decent school. It wasn't the best school, but it's decent. It's f- f- very results. Driven. Yeah. I didn't do amazing there, but my parents' thing to me was, look, we want you to do well, but as long as you're happy, they were like, yeah. we would like, we would be happy if you spend the rest of your life running a corner shop, but yeah. you're happy doing if it. You're, you love yeah. that shop and you love doing it. In general, in my area, just outside London, everyone's saying, you've got to get good exam results and then go and get a good job in London, earn loads of money, yeah. all this kind of thing. They always like, city if you want to do that, then that's fine. But just whatever you do, as long as you're doing it to be happy with it, that's the Well, this is the part. thing that, that, that pisses me off a little bit with, with the schools that they're now businesses. They, yeah. have, they have a yeah. business it's development petrifying. manager in schools because yeah. I understand that they've got to be self-sufficient and everything like that. And they get more funding for better results and things. But do you know what? Let's, you know, Bin Pythagoras' theorem. Yeah. Let's just work on making kids really good and, and being the best that they can be. And yeah, yeah. you know, I've always kind of felt that if if that's if I'm going to be a bin man, if I, if that's my life's goal to be a bin yeah. man, and I'm happy at doing that, and I'm the best bin man that there is in the UK, yeah. I've reached my goal. Yeah, and that's completely. not to say that you've played in front of thousands of people in different gigs and again, that you're better than me. It's because that's my hundred percent. It's what we and uh, I mean. People who listen to the podcast will be sick to death of me bringing this up. So I'm going to vow now, this is the last time I bring it up. But I've said before, there was a brief time on the BBC where they had um, Britain's best hairdresser and, yep. and Britain's best butcher. And I thought that was hugely important because every year we have who's the best singer and X Factor and that is the biggest thing in the world as if the greatest, highest level of achievement in society is being able to sing. And it's not. It's being the best at what you are passionate about and choose to do. 100%. Britain's best butcher is as important as being Britain's best person who happens to get on stage well, I, and have I a nice voice. I was exactly like that when I played rugby. I never, to, to my own detriment, but maybe in, in, in hindsight it's turned out quite well now, that there's a lot of lads that when, they, when they're playing rugby, you know, we're doing these four or five hour long hour days, yeah, yeah. they go and do courses in the evening on the afternoon, they become plumbers and sparkies yeah, yeah. and whatever. I didn't want to do that because... I don't want to live my dream and be worrying about 
my, my life after yeah, my dream. Yeah. And if I'm doing something, I'm all in. Got so if I'm playing rugby, yeah. I'm not even worrying about, you know, I don't even know how to change. My wife does all the DIY at home. Yeah. Like, I don't want to worry about, you know, plugs and sockets and plasterboard and things like I just want to worry about being the best rugby player I can yeah. be. And I knew that within the rugby kind of society, I'm, I'm not a try scorer. I'm not, you know, kind of obviously decent looking, but not the best looking. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, the, the, the try scorer, the wingers, the fastest, yeah. the, the playmakers. I was a prop forward. You know, I was a paid battering ram. I had to tackle everything that came my way and just do them horrible carries that you know yeah. you're going to get smashed. Yeah. But that's what I was paid to do. And that's if I was going to do that, I wanted to be the best at that. Yeah. And yeah. so, but I knew that within the team dynamics, I wasn't the fastest. So it's, I wasn't on the wing scoring the tries and getting the glory. It's funny though, because it's not getting the glory. It's not being the, 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 the biggest name, but it is part of, again, this is an amateur watching here, but it's part of the second best thing to see. The best thing to see is that, and particularly with the amount of, of, of young, really athletic guys in rugby now, um, the best thing to see is when, an absolute unit, a specimen, gets the ball and they run past everyone. Yeah, and and oh and, yeah, and they get the that's not supposed to happen. That's absolutely amazing. But the, the the second best thing is an absolute specimen getting the ball, running past everyone, and then getting wiped out by some big lump of a bloke. <laughs> so again, that's kind of it's yeah, it's the second best part. It's just it's, it's but, but just for not me, necessarily the one that's on the highlight. I reel. remember, I remember <laughs> that there's a player who's actually now got an MBE and, and he recently retired. A guy called Jamie Peacock, mm-hmm. uh, perfect Great Britain, everything, a real you know. <laughs> top, top, top draw player. Yeah. And I was like 19, 20, 21, hungry and just wanted to do everything. And I remember having this game, can't remember who it was, but I remember playing and one of my peers came to me like the day, I think he dropped me a text the day after. Yeah. And he said something like, you won't know what you did yesterday, but you won us that game yesterday because oh, wow. you might have just made them little three or four metre carries. But if you didn't do that horrible three or four metre carry, he wouldn't have been able to, because normally you might have only done a one metre carry or a yeah. two metre. Yeah. Because you did four metres or five yeah. metres and you, you got a quick play of the ball, yeah. you made him score a try. Yeah. And there's not many people saw it. You know, so even your, your typical fan wouldn't have seen the what goes on. Yeah. It's them little small yeah. kind of inches. He said, you probably won us that game yesterday. And, and only I knew, because he was a similar position, I saw what you did yesterday. And I was... Yeah. Didn't need any awards after that. It yeah. was like my peer, you know, he respects me. 100%. So that was cool. It's 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 an interesting one. Um, any professional sport is high pressure and and limited lifespan or or, or career span. Sorry, yes. I'm not saying you're all going to die, um, but a, <laughs> a limited career span. That particularly in a sport like rugby, which is hard hitting, and particularly in your kind of position, going to get a lot of physical ailments and issues. There's going to be pressure to be able to turn up each day. And there's therefore going to be reliance, as in American football, in MMA, in many things, on painkillers and stuff like that. Um, Often, and again, you don't have to comment on this if you can't, often at a a club or career level, it'll be a, here's what you need to be, like, we need you next week. Yeah. Here you go. In other sports, in in some sports, it'll be more on a personal or have some of this, it'll get you through. What were your experiences of that it's, in, in rugby? It's, it's really strange, and, and I've you know I was daft when I played. Yeah, I, you know, again, you can't expect someone to run into a. The, the, there's stats that prove that, that a, a typical rugby player probably has about 20, 30 mile an hour car crashes per game on the level wow. of impact. So you can't do that and be accepted to be sane in your mind yeah, because. No. 
it just doesn't work. You can't yeah. run into that brick wall and then go off and be normal. Yeah. So, but you'd I, stop. I, yeah, you would. And, and <laughs> you I wouldn't was keep going back to that brick wall. I was fortunate that probably up until the age of about 25, I'd never had an operation. Right. Never had anything. Uh, and then it all came tumbling down. Yeah. Uh, I signed for, I left Bradford Bulls and I signed for Warrington. I actually signed knowing that my shoulder was fucked. Right. Which was a bit hard because it went against my honesty value. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I was like, Bradford turned around and said that they didn't want me, which, which hurt me a little bit. I still yeah. had a year left on my contract, but they wanted to pay it out. And Warrington were the team that came in for me. But I knew my shoulder was pretty much hanging on by a little thread. Right. Damn. So I kind of, I signed for Warrington. I kept it, me and my agent kept it all quiet. Signed for Warrington. Uh, and then I was like, oh, my shoulder's a bit sore. You know, like to once, yeah. the, once the kind of ink was dry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had my shoulder reconstructed. Wow. Uh, first time I just started at Warrington. And like I said, not really, I think I might have had a knee clean out before then. Yeah. So I hadn't really had an operation. Uh I had my shoulder reconstructed and, and stitched back on, so you're part of your, it's like a ball and socket, and, and I'd t- t- torn all the back of my shoulder. Right. And you're roughly out for about 12 to 14 weeks, so wow. I'd, I'd have been back for the start of the season, but I'd have missed most of the pre-season and yep. the hard work, so... Yep. And particularly as an Yeah, a that was club, tough, kind of- and I haven't, I've spoke to a few people about this privately and different things, but I started, you know, you get given all these painkillers when, you, when you play, you know, yeah. it's... It, it's like society's okay with that now. You know, yeah. everyone takes paracetamol and cocodamol and ibuprofen and all yeah. these kind of things. And I got given by the doctor and by the surgeons, like, here you go, mate, you know, you're going to be back playing soon and stuff. Uh, here's these painkillers because I was finding it really hard to sleep mm. because you get pins and needles in your arms in the middle of the night. So it's like, yeah. well, do I take a sleeping pill so that I can sleep? And I get a good night's sleep so I can train in the morning. Or do I take a painkiller so that it doesn't hurt me and I can sleep? Mm. Either way, you know, I want to have a good night's sleep. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and at the time, didn't think anything of it. And they're, they're big, all, all rugby players, professional rugby players get drug tested. Yeah. UK WADA, so, you know, growth hormones, yep. uh, peptides, steroids, right. everything like that. Um, but what you don't get tested for is prescription drugs. So, right. you know, lads are... You've got to, like I say, be daft to play rugby. Um, so lads don't take performance-hancing drugs, and, and they don't take, you know, um, ecstasy. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. some of them do, I, I don't know, but they can't take recreational drugs either. Yeah. So what can we take? Well, we can get pissed. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're good at that. Yeah. But we can take these prescription drugs because they don't, they don't clo- you know, show up on a drug test, and yeah. a doctor's given to us, so we're all right. Yeah. Um, and for me... That's where I kind of changed oh, over probably a couple of periods, a couple of period year period. I had, I had my shoulder reconstructed. Twelve months later, played throughout the season. It didn't really work, so I had my shoulder reconstructed again in the off season. Oh wow! God damn. Uh, and then within, I think it was about an eighteen month period at Warrington. I had five operations. I've got two plates in my cheekbone, two plates and eight screws in my cheekbone. I had plastic surgery on my lip. Only wish they could have sorted my ears out while doing it, like a bit of a job lot. Um, you know, things on my knee, my shoulder, and just kept giving, get giving these these prescription drugs. This tramadol, this is oh. yeah. And I, I've listened to a few of your podcasts with uh, say why to drugs, yeah, with Susie Gage, yeah, yeah, and 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 I love it. I, I you know really yeah. because it's very impartial. It's very these yeah. are the pros and the cons, and. There's a massive epidemic, I think, especially within sport about uh, with with prescription drugs because again they don't show up, and I became addicted to to prescription drugs because 
I started taking them for the pain to start off with. Yeah. And when I realised that it was just a, a different world, I would, I would kind of melt. That's the only kind of phrase right. I can give you that. When you take them, you kind of, you become all scratchy, you know, mm-hmm. so you're scratching your head and, you know, young kids at the time. And I feel embarrassed talking about this no, because okay. I feel embarrassed, but then also on the flip side, I feel empowered that I can talk it's, about I mean, this. I mean, it's, it's fascinating that it's not even kind of considered or thought of as a, as a risk or problem because essentially drugs again, is, al- alcohol is is some kind of painkiller or whatever else but you'd see that as a big problem if someone's addicted to yeah. it or whatever else prescription drugs oh, it's are, right. are far doctor, stronger painkiller they numb you and take you out of it kind of yeah, thing yeah and and it became again about... I, I remember being uh, again in a relationship with someone who'd had um some shoulder surgery yep and the amount of evenings we had when she was on medication that I'd have to know that if there was anything important being discussed, I'd have to make note of it. Yeah. She's not going to remember yeah, this. She's going to be so out of it. So what, what happened with me is horrible that thing. I took these prescription drugs for the right reasons. Yeah. And this is the kind of devil's advocate, like, wow, these are magic. All my pain goes away. Yeah. And, and I felt that, you know, I didn't have a problem in the world. You know, kids, I had young kids at the time, so they'd be running around, playing, fighting with each other. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Cool. My voice used to get croaky. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine it would be potentially what it'd be like smoking a joint. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. ah, yeah, so what? Kids are, you know, television smash, you know what I yeah. mean? And whatever, I'm all right with it. And the next thing I know, I'd take these drugs for five years. But yeah. I used to then start to kid my own behaviour in the fact that I'd be like, oh, my back's sore. Because my missus knew about them. Right, yeah. But yeah. she didn't like me on them. And, and I became... You then I became a different, I became a, take Yeah, them. so I played a bit of weird games in my head. So I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit sore like that. Oh, ah, that's really... It wasn't hurting me. Yeah. And I used to take it so that, I mean, the fact is, humans, particularly taller and bigger ones like us, we get sore a bit. Yeah, of course, of course. But if you've got that in your head, oh, well, in that case, but I listen, need to take I, this. I would, like, no, I'd I'm... play a game and, and say, for example, I get some stub marks or yeah. on my ribs or something like that. It looks sore. Yeah. It didn't. It wasn't yeah. sore. Yeah, but I yeah. could go, oh, God, that, 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 that best. quantifies yeah. me taking these. Yeah. So I then became massively, massively addicted to these prescription drugs now. You become, there are lads in professional sports that become chemists. Yeah in the fact that they know so much knowledge about drugs because yeah. what yeah. goes well with another drug. So yeah. you can take a... We used to have... We used to have zoppy parties. Right. So because lads, you know, sometimes... Explain. Weren't allowed, <laughs> explain. Because <laughs> lads couldn't drink, so sometimes they might say, you can't drink because you're injured. Yeah. You know, you got injured at a game. We'd go around to one of the lads' houses, some of the Kiwi boys, so yeah. they'd... You know, there'd be a guitar out, and, yeah. and yeah. you know, there'd be a, a pig on the spit roll, so yeah. we in a back garden, and, and they'd drink carver. Have you ever seen carver? When yeah. they, they scoop out of cups yeah. and they yeah, clap, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. makes it make your kind of tongue numb, which is all perfectly legal. But we'd also have a bag of prescription drugs, yeah. And all the lads would get the drugs out of the pockets and throw them in a bit of a pot and they'd be like blue pills and white pills and, yeah. you know, tamazepam and diazepam and benzodiazepans and all this kind of stuff. And we'd just get off it. Yeah. yeah. And at the time I thought that that, that, that was fine. normal. Yeah. Um, Weird, isn't it? But 
the biggest one for me was was the the issue with tramadol. Now I know there's different stats and stuff, and I'm sure there's a big kind of. Uh, I saw some kind of tweet the other day, and it might have been through ITV that they'd done a, a bit of a research. So I thought something like 36 people died last year from from tramadol overdose. Oh, wow. Now tramadol is a synthetic opiate based drug. Yeah, and opiates being poppies and heroin, yeah, etc. Yeah. So. I became a heroin addict. Yeah. That's horrible. I'm not a heroin addict. Yeah. But really, I am. You know, yeah, I became yeah, yeah. like that and it feels weird. So I remember I'd finished my career and my relationship, I, I was very escapist, you know. So I was yeah. always like, one day I'd have a good day where I'd just be normal me. But I was always a bit hazy from taking these, you know, yeah, these kind of, of prescription drugs. And then I had this epiphany, you know, right. like, right, enough's enough. I remember being sat in the car in the car park in Lee, uh, where I was working at the time, once I'd retired from playing. And there, there was a company, there's a, there's a charity. Um, it's actually, not sure if I can mention it or not, but there's, do you remember Tony Adams, the footballer? Yeah, yeah. He set up a, a clinic called Sporting Chance. Yeah. Uh, only for sports people, for different addictions, yeah. through drink, yeah, drugs, yeah, yeah. gambling, etc., etc. I felt like I had nowhere to, talk, to, to turn to. Anyway, just found the number, Googled it, phoned him up, and this was on a Thursday. I got the phone call, the guy phoned me back, hello Rob, you know, appreciate you, we'll get sent someone out to speak to you and meet you, and someone's going to come and meet you on Monday. I was like, right, cool, appreciate that. So Thursday, I had a prescription on me, and if you have a prescription and you give it to the doctors on a Thursday, they can do it so it's ready to collect for a Friday. But if I ended it on Friday, it wouldn't be ready till Monday. Right. So this is where the sportsman came back in me. I'd like, yeah. I've made that decision. You know, if I'm doing it, I'm all in. Like yeah. we said before, with acting if I, or, or with playing rugby, I'm yeah. all in. And yeah. I'm extreme like that. Uh, so I ripped the fucking prescription up in my car. Right, wow. Because I knew that once it had gone, I couldn't get it back. Yeah. I'm not going to go in gone. with a prescription. Yeah. No, I sell the tape together. Yeah. So there, there's different methods, I believe. Again, this is, it's, it's, it's an important, but it's a momentary action there. Yeah, I'm it's doing like, it. Right, if I can just make myself do this, I can't turn back from it. It's I'm so brief. It. Yeah. It's not like it'll take you ages to rip through. It's like, act now and then so well the, 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 deal with it. There's something you know? else that I'll come on to, but I was like, right, <clears throat> if I don't do this now, then I'm gone. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm ripping it up and that's me done then. So I ripped it up. So I had Thursday, no tramadol. Obviously, Friday, no tramadol. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. For those five days, I was downstairs in my basement, which is a little TV room. I didn't sleep. Yeah. I was just sweating. I had stomach Good cramps. Yeah. I had the worst feeling ever. Wow. And, and I'm, the reason I'm probably talking about this is that if I can help educate someone, mm. you know, I look at it now as a strength. I used to be, it was such a dirty little secret for, yeah. for many a year. And I only entrusted telling certain people, but yeah. now I find that the more people I tell, not the more people I tell, but if I tell someone and it's right, if I can help them, then I do, you know, yeah. if, if I can you know, learn by my mistakes. Completely. And again, that openness and realisation, um, again, I discussed this on a podcast the other day, but I was, I was, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine um, in Newcastle, actually, who was, who was going through some troubles and was saying that they were struggling with just holding everything yeah. together. And I was saying, well, you need to talk to people about yeah. it. And they were saying, well, everyone else has got their shit together. And my point to they them haven't. was, <laughs> I didn't know you were struggling until yeah. this incident that revealed it. Therefore, the people you think have got their shit together, probably, they probably haven't, haven't either. No. You're trying, I mean, everyone is going through that. It's, of course. It, in many ways, 
imagine if you're going through all that, thinking there's no one you can talk to, and at that point, one of your mates rings you up and goes, I'm struggling a bit, man. There you go. And then you go, that's such a relief. So again, thinking on that coming, rather than thinking, I don't want to put this upon anyone else, thinking I could be taking the pressure off someone hugely here by going, look, dude, this isn't, this is tough. And yeah, and so I did, I did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, and Monday. No sleep, stomach cramps, everything. Because it was withdrawal symptoms, like a heroin addict. It's exactly the same. Uh, I saw a guy on the Monday, uh, and he was like, I told him what I'd done. It was like, you dickhead, right. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Right. He okay. said, I can't believe you've done that, Right. but I'm so respect you because you have done that, yeah. because yeah. you've made that choice. So whatever you're taking, say, say you take 10 pills a day, yeah. just for, 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 for number's sake, you're supposed to take 10 pills a day for a week. Then you go nine pills a day, then eight pills a day, yeah, and so on. Sure. And I remember so thinking, going I remember turf, thinking, yeah, you, you wean yourself off, and that's the that's apparently the right way. Again, I remember as thinking, you say, though, how things change constantly in different views and opinions, because the the kind of people getting off heroin by going on to methadone, and people yeah, getting yeah, more yeah. addicted to methadone, to methadone than they ever yeah. were to heroin. So it's so I was like, listen, things, but, yeah. I remember thinking, if I do it that way. That's like three months down the line. Yeah. You're like, I ain't, I ain't doing that. Yeah. I, I want to do it and I want to stop Too now. many opportunities to, to change to your fall. mind. Yeah. I'm doing it and I'm doing it now. So I did I it, that. stopped, and went to different like kind of clinics and met different people. I remember the, the, this counsellor I saw. I saw him for about six weeks on, on a Friday. We used to meet and have a coffee at the Trafford Centre. We used to meet up and have a chat. Been through a similar path as myself because there's nothing worse when someone's trying to tell you what to do if they haven't done yeah, it themselves. yeah. yeah. And he was a great bloke, like really good. And we, we, we kind of met and he was like, listen, Rob, you're not that messed up. And yeah. the reason you're not that messed up is that you kind of, you got given these tablets because you were injured mm-hmm. and then you enjoyed them. And then you changed from the injury to the enjoyment. And that's where your, your kind of addiction yeah. came. And it's, 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 it's one of the things that we try and address on Say Why to Drugs is that the reason people often get addicted to drugs is... Because they're really good, fun. really fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 they're amazing. Good. And again, that's that thing. You were exposed to this. Well, you enjoyed it because it's enjoyable. It's it, dangerous. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not good. But again, it's not. That doesn't make you a bad person or a failing in some way. Does, and that's kind of the point that that does the drug become addictive that. or is your personality? Yeah, a, 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 the addictive. The, yeah, bit. it's yeah, it, yeah. it's vice versa. It's you know, it's an argument to have. Um, yeah. So did that? Susie's actually. I don't know if, she, if she's recording it yet, but she's doing. I shouldn't announce this, but I'm sure it will all be in the bag. But she'd arranged and agreed to do an episode on addiction with Dr. Carl Hart. Right. Who's amazing. He's, he's been on Rogan's podcast yeah, twice. Yes, he's yeah, yeah, really good. Um, and again, it's exactly that. It's the nature. What is the definition and nature of addiction? Are you f- physically addicted? Because again, I've discussed this new times. I can get addicted to social media sometimes. Yeah. That's Me not too. a drug. That's not anything else. I can just be on it constantly. Yeah, and you know. And so, so yeah. So I'd done all that. Uh, met this guy, and he was like, "Listen, Rob, you're not that messed up." Yeah. You know, which was a nice relief. Yeah. I, I probably am a little bit. Um, but he says, you, "You know, you're good." You know, he said, "But what you want to try and do is go to these like these meetings uh, that that they have weekly across the country for for yeah. for people with addiction with, to dr- to drugs." My initial response: I I'm not a drug addict. Like, I'm not one of them. And yeah, it's and, an I, and, I, and I initially kind of pigeonholed that I'm better than them, mm-hmm. 
And and I feel horrible for saying that now. I, I can look back now because I know it's not right. I, I, I was wrong, but I went to these meetings and do you know what? One of the best things I ever did because through through kind of going through adversity, do you only come out and appreciate things in a yeah. different light? And, and I'm probably getting onto it, which is probably why I've ended up doing the filming as yeah, such, yeah. that I went with this preconceived idea there are going to be all these homeless people in this room talking about heroin and injecting drugs, yeah, right? Yeah. Couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. These were people... The, the, there's one of the sayings within this organisation, and, and I still live and... and and probably use it more often than not, is look at the similarities in people and not the differences. It's weird to say this because over the week before this goes out or the week after this goes out, I sat down and chatted with um, Matt Willis, who's in Busted. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the best podcasts we've done, whether bar, you like, barring like Busted or not, barring this one. Um, and he said the exact same thing. He, was, he went to AA yeah. and the thing that struck him was uh, looking at the similarities, was going, right, right, right yeah, so I've not lost my my wife and kids, or I've not locked myself in a hotel room for five yeah. days drinking, but I have done this yes. and I have done that. And I know that feeling. You know? And, and and that's where... <clears throat> it's a hard me. thing to do as well. Because like, again, I think a again, lot of people will go in with that mentality that you massively. said you had there of going, I'm not one of them, I'm above yeah, that. It's I'm, like, I'm a professional sportsman, right, well, I'm this, I'm that. Round of yeah, applause congratulations. You, Good work. And do you know what? Once <laughs> I met these people and, and, I, and I shared the first time I went in, I yeah. thought... Fuck it. If I'm in, I'm all in. If yeah. I, if I'm if I've got a captive audience, yeah. no one else can speak while I'm speaking. Yeah. You're getting the full barrel. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I went at it, and and it was fucking brilliant. Everyone was listening. I'm thinking yeah. this is perfect. Um, so we did it, and I probably went for for three or four weeks, maybe you know. And I go back every now and again, not to not to gloat, but to look how far I've come. And yeah. and, and again, I hope that comes across in the right way because. It's important. I have to look back at what I've achieved. Well, I look yeah. back at rugby games and I've uh, I've achieved different things with, mm-hmm. within the game and, and probably one of my biggest achievements is kicking that habit of, of using pain-killing drugs. Pride of achievements is something that, again, it should be a central part of, of life. I think we have these weird things, and I I've, I've, can't remember if I've discussed this on the podcast or just with mates, things like um, selfishness. It's it's a dirty word. Yep. I think a level of selfishness is, is fucking essential to yeah. anyone. I think it's it's self. We all have an ego. And, we all kind and of equally pride. People will say, "Oh, you've got an ego." Yeah, an ego. There, people say you've got an ego is a bad thing. You should have a level of pride in things that that you've achieved. Because yeah, otherwise, that makes why you the want fuck are you doing more. it? Why are you doing exactly, it? If, 100%. if you're not pr- proud about achieving, you know, release, you know, having a book out, yeah. which is actually sitting pride of my shelf. I've never read yeah. it yet, but it makes a good ornament, my it wife It looks says. nice, doesn't it? Um, you know, if you've, if, you've, if you've wrote a book, I used to do it where people you, come you, up to me. That interesting. You're the, because you came along to the Manchester Day of the Book Tour. Yes, I did. You're the third person who was at that to be on the podcast now. Yeah. We've had three different, so Jack Gallagher, who's a wrestler who's, who just debuted in the WWE, as, as we recorded oh, this, he brilliant. debuted last week. Um John uh, Bradley from Game of Thrones. Yes, he a, was, a, yeah. And Rob Parker. Listen, if you want to get into filming, turn up one of Pix Book, yeah, Pix book launches it's, and you'll be fine. It's all the so, celebs hanging out. So it's like the I used, be, I used to be embarrassed <laughs> when someone said, oh, you, you know, you won the Challenge Cup or whatever in 2003 and yeah. you did this. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, I used to dismiss it. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, fine. I'm like, fuck proud. that. I will, you know, I'm not, you know, going out and kind of I've got my medals all just zipped up and underneath yeah. my jacket, but... 
I look back and I think, well, it's, do you know what? I've done that and I've achieved that and balance, I'm proud of it. it. Yeah. It's, it's the balance. And it's having and that humbleness with telling people as well. A, a bringing it back round, I guess, on, on to being on set is both of us over those months found more and more out of, about each other. Which yeah. I didn't throw at you say, oh, I've done this album or done this or I've got this book or anything else. It was all stuff would come up in conversation and you'd be like, oh, shit, that's amazing. And, and we had it on one of the, on the drive back from Cornwall. Oh, when you were telling me and Stevie about about winning the challenge and yeah. all things like this, that we're all like, we've known yeah, each other yeah. a good a few weeks, and that wasn't the first thing that came out of your mouth. It wasn't. I need to justify. Yeah, this, you know? yeah, and I think it's nice that you don't, you know, meet someone new and go, oh, just to let you know, here's my kind of CV. This is what I've done. This is what I've won, and yeah. these are the places I've been, and these are the people I know. It's nice to. It's like a little bit of a like a. You know, I'll send a little tugboat out to you, yeah. and then you'll send a bit of a bigger boat back before we bring the ferry in. It's kind and, of and it takes a calmness and comfort because I've had it on recently where we've had a few different things where um, I've been out with you and, and Newman and, yep. and, and, and Kelly and all the all, all the all the all Tom's mates in, yep. in that whole circle. And for me, an Essex a lad outsider, at times it's intimidating because people have got a lot of achievements, doing a lot of things, but equally. I'll really make sure at no point do I go, well, <laughs> I've done this. It's good, or, but it's I still mean, podcast. I did mention 8 million downloads numerous <laughs> times on that last one, but we'd all had a bit of banter. Yeah, of but again, it's, it, it, it's exactly that of going, right, I'm just happy to be amongst people and talking and engaging like in, people, in, yeah. in, in, in this manner. If something comes up that we can then, because it, it was a lovely one at, um, at, that, at the premiere. We'd all been hanging out and chatting and Tom's dad came over and had a, a lad with him and he was like I just want to introduce you this, to this guy because he he really wants to meet you because he's seen you at festival and this and that and it was like in that moment in that situation I'd forgot this is going to sound odd I'd forgotten who I was no 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 I get that I was like oh right oh Shit, that's lovely because yeah, yeah. in that's, my mind I'm amazing. like I'm just I'm I'm learning I'm again the saying it's, it's you important to be a being, white belt do, at some, at, do at you some, go from being Pip the Pip the poet, Pip the the artist, to Pip the you know actor. Yeah, do you I mean, find that you flick that's, between? Them that's or? what was interesting at this premiere because two of the different guys who I met tons on set have since then learned about me a little bit. Yeah. and and one of them had his, his son there who's a massive fan and things like that. It was like wow, these are people that I chatted to loads, but I was always like, I don't want to say anything wrong. I don't want to mess anything up. I want to get off on the right foot. Yeah, always just regardless of position, I want to be friendly with people and engage, but these people I don't want to offend because it could affect things. And it was amazing to have them come up and be like, excited to see me. Like, well, I, remember, I didn't think you'd remember me. Yeah. But again, it's because of that. And because at the time I didn't go, just so you know, here's my CV. Yes. I've here's here's all a couple the, of signed again, copies as well. As you were saying, a lot of the extras were kind of along that route. Yeah, of, they were like, oh, here's this, my this, CV. This and yeah, this. And that's... Whereas you, me, Stevie, were all more about I mean, Stevie is Stevie. Everyone knows. Yeah. So, but all more about here's what we're doing now. Yeah. Here's what we're working. Yeah. On, rather than. And and so I you mean, respect me. I'm kind of like you're probably one of your best salesmen that <laughs> I go to it to a group of my mates once I did the film and they're all like because how this situation comes about with actually me filming is yes. the strangest you meet Mr. Hardy? thing. I mean, oh. this is the. Pe- I mean, we're at an hour and a quarter. So this is the perfect point to end it on. Really, okay. this this story, right? I'm a man who, I'm a man who takes in. his opportunities. So yes. uh, when I was playing, uh, this whole stems back from. So the reason I've done Taboo yep. is because I went to the wrong airport. Yes, 
and there's a load of shit in between. Yeah. So let's go. With I it. was. It's, it's, it's what I was saying earlier about some luck and some chance. And, so and I how was. Being a fan yeah, I was. I was playing professional rugby at Salford at the time. Yeah. Uh, my mum and dad live in Spain. Yeah. And there was a weekend. I can't remember for what reason. I don't know if it was for my birthday or whatever. Mum and dad phoned me up and said, "Listen, we've got you a ticket to come over to Spain for the Wicked. Formula One Grand Prix in Valencia." Oh wow. The only thing is, we can get you a flight on the Saturday morning. This is in season. You can't ever yeah. take time yeah. off in season. Yeah. We've got you a flight on the Saturday morning, but we can't get you a flight back till Monday. So it means you're missing training. Are you all right with it? And I was like, fuck, I, I, yeah, I'd really like to go to that. Yeah. So we ended up coming up with this cock and bull story that my dad had had a car crash or something mm-hmm. in, in Spain. He's all right. Yeah. We, we, we twisted the truth about yep, something. Yep. Happens. So I, we played against Saints on the Friday night on Sky. So I played on Friday. I hadn't had a holiday for a couple of years at this yeah. point. I was like, brilliant, I'm away on holiday now. I can go away for a couple of days, see my mum and dad. I've never been to the Formula One before. Get pissed on my own because I'm a bit weird like that. You know, I can just do yeah, whatever. Enjoy yourself. I'm off on holiday. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, whenever my mum and dad fly in from Spain, the only airport that they fly to because of the flights is Liverpool. Yep. But they live in Granada in Spain, but I was flying to Alicante. They booked the flights, they booked the tickets. I had all the tickets on me, everything. Mm-hmm. So played the night before, didn't really sleep the, the night of the game because you're you know, filled with adrenaline yep. and everything. Gets up at like nine o'clock, like, right, I'm off, you know, you know, kiss to the wife and the kids, see you on Monday. Gets in the car, I book the parking at the airport, gets to Liverpool Airport, booked in, everything, you know, goes through. And I, I only had a little bag, so I didn't have to do any kind of go to the desk and yeah, check in. I yeah. just went through my ticket. And there was two guys that, that had kind of walked through. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a pint, you know, even though it's 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, you're on yeah. holiday. Ty, yeah. Ty, yeah, of it's course you can time. do that. So these two guys get chatting, they're big rugby fans, and they're kind of, you know, we're chatting away. They said, oh, I watched the game last night, brilliant. All right, I've got a couple of little holiday friends I can have a couple of pints with now, and, and, and off yeah. we go. So we get us in this bar, has a couple of, a couple of pints, and then they say, oh, where, where are you going? I say, I'm going to Spain, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to Alicante. And they're like, oh, nice one, so are we. I said, oh, should, we, should we go through now? I said, because I'm sure the flight, you know, sets off in 50 minutes yeah. or something. It's like, no, it's not for another hour, an hour and a half. So anyway... Goes to go through, goes to check in at the uh, at the gate, you know, with my scanned in ticket. My ticket wouldn't scan in. Yeah. Kept going, kept going. One of the attendants comes over and I said, oh, listen, I've got a flight here. I said, but it won't, it won't scan. He said, uh, Mr. Parker, I was, yes. He said, the reason it won't scan is that your ticket says Manchester Airport and you're at Liverpool Airport. God damn. Fuck. That's not a good You know, moment. I haven't been away for two years and I'm thinking, shit. And I've got about £1,000 worth of Formula One tickets on me as well. Yeah. I've got to Jesus. get to Spain. Yeah. So I snatched the ticket out of this guy's hand, uh, ran to my car, got in the car. This is the best adrenaline rush I've ever had. Mm. You know, like, it was such a kind of laugh. I can look back and laugh now. So gets in the car, phones my wife up, and I'm giving her a load of grief. Like, why have you let me go to Liverpool Airport? <laughs> Obviously, it's Always airport, deflect. Yours, At any yeah. time, deflect. So <laughs> I was like, why have you let me go to Liverpool Airport? She said, I tried telling you, Rob, you just weren't listening. And I was just kind of zoned in, I'm going on holiday, I'm going yeah. to Liverpool Airport. So I'm driving, gets pulled over by the police for being on my phone. Yeah. So the police guys thought, like, pull me out and everything, like, get out of the car. Listen, I'm holding my hands up, I was on my phone, reason I'm on my phone, I'm going to miss my flight, I've got 40 minutes to get to Manchester Airport from Liverpool, which is just about doable, yeah. right? Yeah, If you break the speed limit once. Yeah. Just all the way. Brilliant. So... <laughs> So I ended up, like, the guy said, yeah, they had to process me and stuff like that. 
for whatever reason, I never got the points or anything. I don't right. know if they took some kind of yeah threw it away, but I never got processed. Anyway, driving down, my wife then phones Manchester Airport, tries to phone the Jet 2 to say, listen, you know, my husband's on his way, he's gone to the wrong airport. Uh, can you hold the gate yeah. open? I've watched that many programmes about airports and stuff. Yeah. They're not leaving it open for anyone. Yeah. Anyway, we looks and there's another flight 15 minutes later with Ryanair, for example, yeah. or, or whatever it was. Get to Manchester Airport. Anytime you go to the airport car parking, you're always right at the very end, yeah, aren't you? Furthest away. I don't know, it's like some kind of heavens were looking up, but whatever happened, as the barrier lifted, the first car park spot on the left was free. Brilliant. Got in, locked it up, ran over with my bag, went, so I thought, right, I've got, I've got a dilemma. I either go to Jet 2 and argue the toss, and they're probably not going to let me in anyway. I'll go straight to Ryanair, pay the extra hundred quid for the flight, I'm done. So I went with the Ryanair kind of gig. Yeah. I walked straight through, found the Ryanair thing. My wife had already fallen through. Oh, Mr. Parker, we've been expecting you. So there were three people in the attendance. One processes the payment, one text, you know, checks my passport, one, you know, does all my bags and everything like that. And literally, I kid you not, within 10 seconds of the payment and everything clearing, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get on that flight. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able. So I've now kind of had this adrenaline rush. It's the yeah. middle of summer. It was probably seven years, six, seven years ago this yeah. happened. And my heart was racing. So yeah. I was like, right, let's relax now. Let's go through security, get through. I've got 40 minutes before I get on my flight. So I get on the flight. And just before I got on the flight, I was like, well, there's a bar just at the side of this place here. So I mean, just, just to cut you know, cut, cut my nerves. Yeah, time, yeah. But- so I had, I had you know, two pints. I was like, right, I'm on holiday now. I can <laughs> relax. I'm actually in the right airport. Uh, gets on the plane. And um, sometimes it goes two seats, two seats, and then to three. Yep. Anyway, right at the front, there were these two seats. And I was sat in one of them, and there's this guy sat in the other, only youngest guy, 19, 20 years of age. And obviously, I've got this great story to start telling someone. Yeah, if I've got yeah. a captive audience, you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So I see this guy the, uh, who was sat next to me. I was like, hello, mate. You know, nice to meet you. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, as the kind of small talk's going off. And he said, uh, you okay? I was like, let me tell you about the day I've had. So I starts to go in and tell him the full story. And we're going through the full story, and he's laughing as well, going like, you dickhead kind yeah, of thing, which yeah. I can't argue with him. And I look, and he's got this uh, bit of a tuba grip on his arm. So I turn to, obviously, me being a, a rugby player, I turn and said, oh, mate, what have, you, what have you done to your arm? He said, I've banged my arm, and there's something that's swollen up underneath my elbow. I think it's called a bursa. And um, a bursa does swell up to protect the, the joints and, and different right. things like that. And so I started to tell him what a bursa does. Yeah. And he's like, bloody hell. He said, you you know, you know your stuff medically. He said, oh, what, what do you do? I did the old uh, look from left to right kind of thing. I'd, uh, I'm a professional rugby league player. You know. And he was like, oh, kind of a big wow, you know, that, that's, yeah, that's good. I said, oh, what do you do? And then this guy says, I play football for Man United. <laughs> and just completely top trumped me. So, because I knew he was a sportsman, yeah. uh, you know, we, we hit it off, you know, yeah. a couple more beers on the plane. He was going to see some friends over in Calpe or something like that. Yeah. The actual reason that he was on that plane is because he didn't get on with his friends like six hours before because this plane journey was 20 euros cheaper. A professional footballer and he didn't get on it. At Man United. So anyway, the guy's called Ben Amos. Yep. An absolute 
diamond of a bloke. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. Oh, when you first told me this, I revealed I, I always you, sign him on loan. <laughs> you on always sign him on loan, yeah. Because he's, he's second or third choice at United, which means they've got very, and you know, he's, yeah, I can get him on loan. Yeah, good stock. Yeah, so yeah, anyway. But so, yeah, yeah, continue. So, so you're well aware of, of Ben. So anyway, <laughs> we get we get to Spain and, and but my mum and dad turn up in the, you know, they've got the car because they're driving and everything. And Ben was getting a taxi to, to go and see his friends. Bearing in mind, this taxi was going to cost him 100 euros anyway. Yeah. For the 80 euros, that he, uh, 20 euros he saved on the flight, he had to spend 100 <laughs> on a taxi. Yeah. So I said, listen, if you want, my mum and dad, we're all going to the same place. You know, we've we become her playing friends. Uh, we'll drop you off if you want. Amazing. So his, his phone had run out of battery or he gave me his number and then I had to phone him or his friends once we got there. Um, so we get there, drop him off, you know, really nice to meet you, mate. You know, off we go. That weekend, went to the Grand Prix, everything like that. And we stayed in touch, me and, me and Ben. Uh, stayed in touch, and we stayed in touch ever since. And we probably used to meet up every two or three months, and we'd meet up in Manchester, and we'd kind of go and have a feed with a couple of the other lads and stuff like that. And maybe a couple of years had gone by at this point. And so there was, there was always like me and Ben, one of the other guys at United, yep. dropped the name now, Chris Smallin. Yep. And one of, one of uh, Ben's friends, Jordan, we all used to meet up. Anyway, on this one particular day, we, we meet up, uh, and it was probably about four years ago, three or four years ago that we meet up, and we're watching some Champions League football and stuff like that. And so with four or five of us, we all get together, and we're having a feed, and we're watching football, and then Ben turns around and says, oh, one of our mates, Will, he's on his way up, and Will works for the football agency that's associated with Ben. He said he's on his way up, but he's going to be about half an hour late because he's been down in London interviewing Page 3 models. Yeah. And this guy's 21. So yeah. for all you 21-year-old people, can you imagine going out and interviewing a Page 3 model? He's going to be enjoying himself, isn't so, he? So turns out there's this other guy that everyone knows called Newman, mm-hmm. and he runs this charity, does a few different things within the kind of military world, but he runs this charity, um, and it's called Hot Shots. Yep. It's all women who are hot with guns, and they yep. raise money for help for heroes. It's straightforward, isn't it? It's, it's we like Ron Seal. It's Ron Seal. About <laughs> violence and sex. Being, being innate human yeah. qualities. So, page three girls. And so this kid's <laughs> been down in London for a couple of days, and he comes up. I've never met him before in my life. It's the first time I've met this lad. And he turns up, and he's just full of life. You yeah. know, as you can expect... He's going, oh, I met this girl, met this girl, met this girl. And he said, oh, she was fake. She was, you know, typical lad behaviour. Yep. And he says, but do you know what? I was giving my number out to a couple of them. And you can't fault him for trying. Yeah, fair so he, to him. he said, I, I gave my number out to this girl called Sophie. Uh, Sophie Jennings or Sophie Rose. There was a couple of Sophies. He said, I'm, I'm telling you, she, she was winking at me and everything. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I, got, I got this epiphany moment. <clears throat> I went to the toilet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I went to the toilet. I text Ben. I went, text me this Will's number. You know, never met the kid before. Text me his number. So he texts me his number through, and I text this Will saying, "Hi, Will. It's Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> really it's nice to. So <laughs> Hi, Will. It's Sophie. Really nice to meet you. Uh, you were such a cutie yesterday, babe. Kiss, kiss. I mean, I don't even know how to kind of come on to blokes. It's not my thing. I mean, it seemed like a yeah. it seemed like a natural, but yeah, go on. <laughs> I can assure you. So I was like, so I text him anyway. Goes back down, sits down, and his phone beeps, and he looks at his phone. Oh, fucking hell! I said, I told you, I told you, she was going to text me, she was going to text me. I told you. Right, that's it. So, obviously, unbeknown to him, it's me that's texted yeah. him. And because I hadn't met, I only knew a few lads in the group and stuff like, you know, from, from where he's yeah. going, I set a little WhatsApp group up called Team Sophie. Yeah. So, I set this group up, and obviously, I've had to put all the lads, and there's this guy called Newman, 
who knew Ben and a few others, but a little bit, it was all kind of disjointed. Yeah. So I had to, because I was the admin, I had to add everyone into this group. And yeah. for the next four days, Team Sophie took over my world. Yeah. As in the fact that I was sending this, this lad, Will, uh, yeah. messages, as in Sophie. Yeah. He's sending me them back. I'm screenshotting and putting them in the group. <laughs> The lads are telling me what to put. Will's then texting the lads what to put. And it went, just, it took over four days of my life. And it came to the point where this was on Friday. This was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday, I said, listen, babes, or whatever those kids do. I'm coming up to Manchester this weekend. Uh, It'd be really nice to see you. And, and, uh, you know, I think we should get together. And he's saying, yeah, brilliant. And he was only a young kid at the time. Didn't have much money or, you know, know, he was trying to find his feet. And he's texting like Chris and Ben saying, listen, this bird's coming up. Any chance you can buy us a couple of bottles of champagne? You know, I'm trying to big it up. I'm trying to do this. You know, he he wants to put, he wants to kind of obviously show, you know, he's he's, he's a big player. And um, anyway, so it it goes on, goes on. It gets to the Friday, it gets to the Sunday. I said, right, we'll meet in uh, Alderley Edge, the poshest place in kind of Cheshire. Yeah. Uh, Very kind of, you know. Range Rover, kind yeah, of. Yeah, if yeah. you've not got Range Rover, you're not allowed in yeah. Alderley Edge. So we're in this bar three bars down from where this will is. So there's me, Jordan, who's like the IT guy of us all. <clears throat> it's like entourage, you know, Brilliant. everyone's got a skill set. You've got your roles. So you've got Chris and Ben. Uh, meet this Mike Newman, who, yeah. who's, you know, kind of knows everything about military and guns yeah. and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's Jordan, who's IT. And, and so there was all this group of lads. And it was weird because... We all haven't really met before. And so we're, we're what we're saying, right, I'll be there in a couple of minutes, babe, get the champagne into this, to this will. And we were three bars along. Jordan's got a GoPro camera strapped to his chest. We've got bunches of flowers. <laughs> We've got chocolates, party poppers, the works. And so, right, we're on our way. I'll be there in two mins, hun or kiss, kiss. Yeah. So anyway, we walked in. <clears throat> And we walk into, like, I think it was called the Botanist or, or something, really plush, you know, yep. kind of joint. We walk in, we get there, and we're blowing these balloons and party poppers and everything. There's this kid stood at the bar, he's got his jeans on, his hair flicked to one side, shirt, jacket, he's smelling ready, nice. ready for his big day. And all of a sudden he's stood there and he's got two martinis. And he's got the, <laughs> he's got two martinis, as if he's some well-cultured guy who drinks martinis. He's got these two martinis, and he just hears this kind of commotion as he looks round. His whole world, you know, like as if like the pennies dropped. Yeah, and he's just realised, and then he's starting remembering all the things that he said to me, all the texts <laughs> that he was sending to me. And if if, if 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 this had gone on for more than the three four days, it did. It would have been. Incredibly cruel, but at the moment, uh, yeah. it's just the perfect so, point of God. So we all, we all kind of, we boy. pranked him, we got it over, yeah. and and that's where this little group of five or six random people who should probably never really be together have all found. We've themselves. all found. So we, we you know, we, we made this little group called Team Sophie, yeah, and which we've now kind of you know shortened down to just TS because yeah. obviously start saying you're in Team Sophie, people start talking. But <laughs> so we're in this weird little eclectic group of these eclectic people that are just so random from different, you know, one's a rugby player, you've got two footballers, a guy who's at school who, who does all IT, and one guy is involved with the military, and there's a football agent. It's just random. Brilliant. And so we set this group up, and one of the guys that's in the group, and we've been friends, we're, we're all friends now, we get together once a week, we have a game of cards. Yep. All our wives have even set a group up now. 
So team, they have like kind of Team Sophie kind of better halves. Brilliant. Um, although Will never ended up getting with Sophie. <laughs> uh, and has now got a lovely girlfriend called Anna. So that's all fine and she's cool is with she that. she part of the Team Sophie better Well, it's half, a bit it's a weird, confusing, isn't it? Confusing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won't go there. We won't go there. Yeah. So from, from, you know, all the kind of group dynamics, we met this guy called Mike Newman, yeah. who... Uh, is involved with importing and exporting firearms. It sells to the military, and he yeah. loves the military, raises thousands and thousands of pounds for help for heroes, a real good guy. And he phoned me up one day and said, listen, I'm, I'm, we've got a range day on in Shrewsbury. Do you want to go, do you want to come with us and, and you know, shoot some little pistols and stuff like mm. that? I'm like, well, I've got the day off. Why not? Yeah, why not? He said, well, keep it under your eye. He said, but I think Tom's coming as well. I was like, Tom? He was like, Hardy. I was like, oh, right, nice one. Never met the guy or anything like that. So fast forward, we get to this event and we go to Shrewsbury uh, and it was a Thursday and a Friday and Tom was only turning up Thursday night to do the yeah. Friday. So anyway, we did this stuff Thursday, brilliant, loved it. Never shot a gun properly yeah. before and it was really good. Anyway, Tom turns up at the hotel Thursday night, turns up at the hotel. We have a bit of a kind of, you know, crack and have a bit of a laugh and stuff. We're telling stories just like you and I are now. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we set off early Friday morning and we have to go back to this range. And on the Friday, it was a little bit more uh, serious where they showed the new police forces the, the latest guns that, that are right, coming out yeah. and different things like that. So me and Tommy having a bit of a laugh and we're shooting guns, having a bit of a competition with targets and stuff. And my mate says, listen, you're going to have to just kind of, you two are going to have to bugger off for a couple of hours because obviously all the police and military are coming now. Yeah. Uh, you just, we, you know, we can't be seen. You've got to, we've got to be professional. Yeah. We're, we're in work yeah, yeah, mode. Yeah. Of so me and Tom walk off. And I'm in Shrewsbury, the middle of Shrewsbury, in this valley. There's no phone signal. There's, we're cut <laughs> off from society. And there's a little shack that's got tea and coffee. And there's me and Tom. Yeah. So it was a bit, it was, it was beautiful in the yeah. fact that, like you and I now, we can yeah, share yeah, moments. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. no one chirping in. There's no yeah. one kind of. And we just start telling stories. He's telling me about this revenant or something yeah. that I'd never even heard of. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's telling me about some kind of gangster twins that he's playing, you know, yeah. everything like that. And I'm telling him stories and he's laughing it. and going through everything. And he's turned around and he says, mate, have you, have you ever done any acting? And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm <laughs> like, you know, Tom Hardy's asking me if I've ever done yeah. any acting. He's like, no, I'm serious. Have you ever done any acting? I'm like, no. He said, I reckon I can get you into something. I was like, no chance. I said, I feel like a 10 to 2 birder in a nightclub. There's nobody else around. You're trying to get into me. You're trying to just spur me on and make me believe there's some pipe dream. Not yeah. interested. He was yeah. like, mate, give me your number. So I reluctantly, I gave him my number. I was like, you're not even going to keep in touch. You're, you're never, never going to fool me. You know what I mean? It's not me, it's you. Yeah. Anyway, once we got out uh, and, and we, we all made our way home, we got a phone signal again. You know, kind of gets a message, mate. Really nice to meet you. You know, keep in touch. You know, and everything like that. I was like, oh, Tom's text me. You know, like, and it was it was really you know it was cool because he was just a normal bloke, yeah. that just loving bloke things. You yeah, know, yeah, real yeah. kind of nice guy. And so from there on, uh, we went to we stayed in touch. A few video messages. And he said he was going to try and teach me out by different videos. And yeah. you remember the app Dub Smash? Yeah, yeah. So we because yeah. Tom's real good at Dub Smashes, so we we're doing stuff like that. We went through it all, and and we stayed in touch. So we ended up going to the premiere of Legend with him, amazing as his guest. And that was the first time I've been to anything like. That. And yeah. then we ended up going to Revenant. So did all that, you know, really enjoyed it. And then that was it. And I just handed my notice in in April. Where I was working for Bradford Bulls, one of the teams I used to play for, as the commercial manager. Yeah. Anyway, I was I was in the middle. I've already handed my notice in. 
And the club turned around and said, listen, you've got two weeks pay. You've got to give a month's, uh, month's notice, but you've got two weeks holiday. So rather than us paying you two weeks extra, you're going to have to take two weeks off. Right, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, gutted, you know. Anyway, never mind. And I was in the middle of Bradford doing something, and I get a phone call from, from a number I didn't know. So being kind of, uh, you know, I, I answered the phone. And I answered the phone, it was like, hello, is that Rob? I was like, yes. He said, hello, Rob, my name's Gary, I'm the second AD on uh, Taboo, um, that's directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, a friend of yours, Tom Hardy, is in Taboo, and uh, we, Tom believes that you'd be perfect for a little role that's coming up. Now, I'm thinking this is a Team Sophie wind-up. <laughs> you set yourself up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm thinking, I went, well, sorry, what was your name again? He said, Gary. I went, uh, Gary? He went, yes. I said, get fucked, put the phone down. Because I just thought it was a wind-up. <laughs> it had to be a wind-up. <laughs> so I'm like, anyway, the phone really rings back. Yeah. He's like, no, Rob, I'm, I'm real serious. You know, this is it, this is it. You know, it goes through yeah. all the details. I'm like, shit, it's real. All right. He said, but the reason being, he said, you know, within the industry, we've got to move really fast. It's Thursday now. We need you down in London on Monday for a costume test, makeup test. We start filming Wednesday. I was like, perfect. I've just ended my notice in. Yeah. And I've got two weeks free. Like this, it was just amazing timing. So anyway, uh, Gets like speaks to Tom like Tom is this guy legit? He was like yeah yeah of course it is mate we want to see if you can do anything got yeah. a little role for you so I get down to London got to a place called Angels have you been is that where you went for yours no I didn't I oh they came on... to you then did they no no I went for my my fitting at um at Elstree oh right but um yeah there's, so I yeah. went to a place called Angels a big warehouse just <laughs> yeah. full of costumes and stuff yeah. some guy meets me we get fitted for the costume everything perfect. And then we go, I had to go to Ealing Studios. Yeah. So from Angels over to Ealing Studios, get to Ealing Studios. And That's where I went at Ealing, not yes. Elstree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we go to Ealing Studios, there's a guy called Vlad who's here to yep. meet me. I got told, Vlad's going to meet you, he's going to take you where you need to go and everything else. I'm a bit nervous at this point because yeah. this is, I'm a rugby player. Whilst, you know, <laughs> I can go and, you know, yeah. beat people up on a rugby field, this is not what I'm cool with. You know, this is not my comfort. So he said, right, because I'm going to do the makeup test with you. So anyway, we knock on this this big trailer. Um, we get onto this trailer and Vlad says, this is Steph. Steph's going to be doing your makeup every day when you're on set. So, uh, you know, Rob meets Steph, Steph meet Rob. And so we shake hands with this this girl, really, really nice, friendly, warm girl. And she said, oh, I, I Googled who I was doing makeup for the night before. And I realised you played rugby. Uh, I'm from Leeds. You know, I must have watched you play before. I've been watching Leeds Rhinos Amazing. play Bradford Bulls. I was like, wow. Sigh really you know, like yeah. at least I'm not kind of trying to pretend to be someone yeah. I'm not, I'm a rugby player. Yeah. So she said, Listen, I'm gonna be doing your makeup every day on set, and because I have no experience, she went through it in layman's terms, how yeah. we're gonna do. So before we go any further, we've got to get Erica, who's at the other end of the bus. Yeah. She's gonna come down, she's gonna go through your character, and we're gonna practice your makeup. And when we practice your makeup, once we've got it sorted, we do everything, you know, as as and when. So all right, right, that's cool. So I sit down, I've got the cloak over me and you're looking into the mirrors and you've got all the stud lights and all the makeup brushes and everything. And I can hear these, these, these steps coming down. And this is Erica. And then she comes behind me, puts a hand on my shoulders. She looks into the mirror, looking back at me and she's just gone, oh, wow, they're the most unusual set of ears I've ever seen. <laughs> So here's this rugby player from up yeah. north come down and this, like, I think she was Swedish with purpley yeah, yeah, yeah. pink hair, just completely ruined me in one sentence. Brilliant. Like, And I've turned to her and I was like, you what? Golden. And she went, oh, 
look at your face with all those scars. I went, well, what do you mean? She went, it's a mess. You're perfect for this role. <laughs> so my, my new strap line is, I've got the most unusual ears uh, within the industry. You see, Eric, a regular Wrigley told me that it was a lot of effort to ugly me up for the role because I was too... I, I can I'm, understand. I'm, my so, skin is too good. I'm too well looked after. I've got one scar, but, you know... Yeah, it's a good you know, scar, though. I like it. So, <laughs> my, my, my kind of introduction into the, the, you know, the filming was just, you know, really made me feel welcome. Yeah. And, and, and I loved it because... Uh, I don't. I didn't realise first of all how hard actors work. Yeah, the hours and what's needed because there is a lot of waiting around. And whilst that might sound easy, there's a lot of mental energy that you waste from being around and learning lines. So I did a few days, and I think I happily surprised Tom and yeah. a few other people. Like it was more of a bit of a punt. Yeah, you know, let's yeah. get Rob down. We'll stick him in the back, make him look tough. You know, thanks very much, Rob. Off you go. It's one of the handy things of a, a role in a situation like that when there's a few people in a gang. Yeah, is they can have a punt. Yeah. If you're not working, yeah, then you'll yeah. look good in the background. Yeah, we'll kill you. Know yeah, what we'll, I mean? yeah. Just, yeah. And anyway, Tom texted me a couple of days in. He was like, uh, "Mate, I actually think you're better than what probably I thought you were going to be." Yeah. He said, "Do you want to do a bit more?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. of course. Like, this is brilliant." So anyway, I ended up, we did four or five weeks filming in total yeah, yeah. from Cornwall to Luton and different yeah. places within, in a temple, was it, in the middle of yeah, London? Yeah, in London, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just loved it. I got to meet some amazing people yeah. like yourself and like with Stevie now, you know, we keep in touch yeah. and Tom and, you, you know, we... I've met even the makeup artists where, you know, I still stay in touch because yeah. there was just, it's a gr- it's it a felt fun. like a little family and I kind of want series two to happen oh, just so we have a reunion. Yeah, completely. Well, it's the perfect point and, and note to wrap things up on. But obviously what we've just established there is you performed above and beyond and you're taking this seriously. So where can people g- g- get in touch with you or keep on t- on top of, of what you're doing? Like you're on Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, but I'm on Twitter. Again, as, as I think in general, everyone should should follow you as part of um Tom dubbed it early on as 2017 as as a make Rob so we did a couple of scenes and then Tom's like right I'm gonna make it my life's goal that I'm gonna make Rob Parker famous in 2017 so that's so that's the goal that's but where, where I mean on a more serious note like for for other roles and have you got an agent uh, yeah, uh, yes, Amanda, agent. Amanda Rose is my agent. I've got Excellent. to fill a couple more forms in just to make sure that gets sorted. So that's all uh, on, on with it. But, but yeah, so people can, can find yeah, you on Twitter Rob as Parker well. Rob Parker 1981. Rob Parker so 1981. I am so verified as well. There. I think I might be the most verified, non-followed person with about <laughs> two and a half thousand people. <laughs> so that could be my little kind of so, USP. It's a good number. So yeah, I, I highly recommend that people follow you and hit you up and uh, go ahead. And th- thank you very much for chatting. Right, let's wrap things up. And and on that note, my daughter's just got home from school and we've got to go and open the door. Perfect Perfect timing. You've been listening to Scroobish Pits Discretion and Peace. There you go. Um, I think you've probably, in this time, fallen in, in love with the wonderful Rob Parker. I think he's a great dude, a great talker. Man, can he, he tell a story. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that one. 
I'm going to be back next week and I've got Matt Willis on who's also known as Matt from Busted and again we have an amazing conversation he's it's the most open and honest thing is it was fantastic we hit it off we met towards the end of last year and got on really well and he's a big fan of of Rogan's podcast and numerous other podcasts and I was like look just come on and we'll chat and uh, yeah again he was just wonderfully open so tune in next week for, for that one until then just have fun, mate. You know, it's a new year and that. Um, enjoy yourselves. All right, I'll see you in a bit.